amazing audio coming at you. The State of Combat with Brian Campbell returns. And it's back with the Pro Wrestling Edition, fresh off a festive holiday season. But back to invade your feel hole. Absolutely. You better believe that. The Brian Campbell, without question, the voice that you hear. Folks, it's 2019. Get get yourself fired up. I mean, you know, get in the shower, get in the gym, do something. Take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue. That's what I'm talking about, Big Sexy. We got one heck of a show for you today. Recapping the last few weeks in WWE. Breaking down the fallout from the official AEW announcement from the Elite. And previewing all things Wrestle Kingdom 13. Yes, Tokyo Dome Friday, the revolution, it's alive. It's well, like I said, Happy New Year, folks. We are back with me to break all this down is a man who has never hedged once in his life. Despite the audio proof, let me bring him in right now. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. The new and improved back for 2019. He's the Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. You can't have audio of something that's never happened, BC. You know that as well as I do. I got but... the Pruder audio on that. I'll, 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 yeah. One day I will play it. Uh, look, we got a lot that we want to feel. We want to feel that. We also feel bad to start, Adam. We want to start. Uh, it's certainly on a down note on the death of WWE Hall of Famer, the late, great, mean Gene Okerlund at 76. Uh, shot to the gut right off the start. But I, I, I almost just want to celebrate because I love this guy. Everyone loves this guy. And for as great and iconic as he was, if you ever had the chance to meet him, and I've been lucky to interview him a handful of times, the sweetest, the sweetest guy. Could not be the more antithesis of his nickname, Mean Gene. The sweetest, funniest, wittiest guy you could come across like a grandfather, 76 years old. Silver King, this guy spanned eras. How will you remember the great Mean Gene? Well, my personal memory, I met him at a Sarasota restaurant, and I think... Dick Vitale was also there, if memory serves. I was like 14 or 15 years old, but it was like a breakfast diner type of spot. Um, and I got like really geeked out. And back then when I was younger, I got nervous when I met wrestlers. Like I remember going to a Mick Foley autograph signing, like being red flushed in the face because I was so nervous to meet him. So I was nervous to meet Mean Gene Oakland. He was really cool. I think he gave me like a good five minutes to talk to me. I probably asked him a bunch of stupid questions. Um, that's my personal memory of him in terms of, Professional wrestling, certainly the NWO formation moment, uh, him, you know, giving Hulk Hogan hard time or Hollywood Hogan, I guess at that time, a really hard time in the middle of the ring. And really, people always put him with Hogan. And yes, he helped Hogan get over massively in those backstage interview segments. But for me, it was always Macho Man, Randy Savage, whatever object Savage brought to the promo, cream of the crop, the coffee cup, uh, the candy. He always helped put that over, and it helped sell Macho Man's promos. So I'll remember him primarily as the backstage interviewer and with Macho Man, certainly Hogan and Ric Flair as well. That, that's that's a great call. And Macho Man, I mean, Hogan is the, you know, Cosell Ali comparison there. But I, I love his work right. with Iron Sheik so much because he oh, would it's always, great. Sheik would get him to pop. Uh, Gene would help Sheik re- remember the, you know, the cities and towns he was supposed to be saying. Look, it, he had just such incredible wit. And I think that was a big part of why he was so iconic. But he had like the real professional voice to go with that. You know, like you could tell he had the radio background there. And, you know, you nailed it when he when he's calling out Hogan in that bash at the beach turn. Look at all of this crap in this ring. It's like that's 
a real part of who his character was. Yeah, he can make you laugh, but he stood up for for I guess the you know the sanctity of of, of good in that regard. Absolutely, we yeah. love him on this show. We play so many of his sound drops. Uh, don't forget, last May we we were lucky enough to have him on this show for a brief interview when he was doing that commercial with Kevin Hart, and uh, he broke down to us uh, the history. If you remember about a bunch of his sound bites, but I want to play one right now about the great cigarette story. True, very true. Gene, I want to play one more sound drop for you that always pops us all. Put that cigarette out. 92 Royal Rumble, the infamous Ric Flair interview, the cigarette. What happened, Gene? Tell us the story. Well, there was a, there was a, uh, a floor guy, a uh, floor director, who's sitting there with a, with, a, uh, with a cigarette in his hand, and uh, I can't have that on my set. <laughs> yes. Uh, not, that I, not that I didn't have a cigar from time to time myself, but uh, it just wasn't the time and the place, and I had to admonish him. I'm sorry to say that it got on the air, and a lot of people figured, what, what is this all about? But it was pure and simple, me admonishing somebody for smoking on set. Yes, that's ring generalship right there, Gene. I like that. Taking control of the situation. Well, of course it is. Exactly. You wouldn't expect anything less, Brian. That's holy balls. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I love that guy. Just such a sweet guy, Adam. I mean, oh, really. you cut it off before Gene says holy balls. No, no, That's he doesn't say. It. He said it earlier, but I cut him off when oh, he said it, so we okay. don't have this great flesh moment. That was a, that was his catchphrase. Look, obviously, he's like he's like the wallpaper on wrestling history because he was there yes. for. I mean, he was there pre. WWF going national, of course, in AWA, helping Hogan and Ventura get over. He's there, joins at WWF in 84 of the national launch, the Rock and Wrestling Connection, the WrestleMania, all of that, and then joins WCW in 93, a couple years before that ship really starts to take off throughout the Monday Night Wars. We're still hosting WWE Network shows here and there and, and doing a really good job and such a great guy. We You, you had sent me the sound of uh, his last interview. I, I didn't realize that was at the Raw 25 show with, with AJ Styles there and um, it's, uh, it was really sweet. It was really sweet too because did you cut it or should I just... uh, no? I, I didn't cut it there because he kind of stumbled. So, through. It wasn't his best work. I didn't want to. No, no, no. It wasn't. But um, you know, AJ was getting interviewed by like Dasha or someone else backstage. He's like, hold on a second. I got to bring in Mean Gene. He introduces Mean Gene. Mean Gene does his normal introduction, one question, and then AJ does the. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, and he like you can see him smiling like a child because he always wanted to do it. And then at the end, in a really sweet moment, usually. The camera pans back to Mean Gene. At the end of the interview, he gives a straight man face, and then they go away. It did that, and AJ said, love you, Gene. And that's the last, I think, moment on a WWE Network show that we have of Mean Gene is AJ Styles telling Mean Gene that, that he loves him, and certainly we all love him. It's funny the cigarette moment you pointed out, because there's another moment from Mean Gene that doesn't really get publicized as much, mostly because there's cursing in it, but he's interviewing someone backstage in WWF, I forget what the situation is, and there's like a Royal Rumble or another pay-per-view like sign hanging behind him. It falls off the wall. He turns around, says the F word, and goes, we paid a guy $200 for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, there could, there's a fun, salty side of Gene for as nice as he is. And uh, a friend of the program, longtime listener of uh, all three shows, Chris Mettler, my, my great friend from Canada, gave me a clip this morning. I had never seen this during like the last days of WCW when the when things are just completely falling apart. I remember they had made Gene a heel. They made him like this senile old guy. Oh, remember that God. really bad faction, the Natural Born Thrillers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, check out this real quick interview. You've been pretty good at running your mouth soft so far, but tonight you're going to have to back it up with action. Yo, 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 Gene, let me speak on this, all you cranberries and strawberries. You like my shirt, Gene? You want to touch it? That's enough. Hey, real good impression there, you prick. 
What about the rest of you pissants? Anybody else want to do impressions? Hey, old man, why don't you shut up? What do you call him? Hey, blow it out your ass, O'Hare. I got guys that can take out your kneecaps. <laughs> I mean, Gene gave you so many great moments. You just go on YouTube and you'll see so many sounds of him popping. Here's a, a real fun one with Wendy Richter. I want it too, and I had to fight inch for inch to get this, and I'm not about to lay down on my back and let someone cover me. I thank you very much. <laughs> We're going to be right back. <laughs> Another oh, real man. brief one with the great uh, Lee Alfred Hayes. He is a classic. I think that's what you'd call Brutus Beefcake. Right, Lord Alfred Hayes? If you say so, Gene. Sterling Certainly. performance. Absolutely. Stiff up a little. Yes. What do you have there in your hand? This is a cricket bat, Gene. I you... form in a cricket team. Oh. I've oh. already asked Vince McMahon. He'll play. Yes, maybe we can get uh, Vinny and maybe some of the some of the other boys. Come on, sir. I like to I like to bring in a ringer from maybe Brazil or Portugal or someplace like that. Uh, just exactly. Now you use a ball to play cricket. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Yes. <laughs> Very informative, we are. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's bring you up to date on the travels of the World Wrestling Federation as we tour the country. Oh, the great Gene. We, we love how him. many how many of Vince McMahon's employees in WWF history do you think we're allowed to call him Vinny? That's a great question. Probably the only people, only the ones that uh, were allowed were to there before yeah. when his father was still running the show and had some kind of connection. Like there. like Gorilla Monsoon, maybe, and Gene Okerlund. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, and it, it, it's sad to see him go because I, you know, I, I'd interview him a couple times, interview him for that oral history I did with ESPN on the Savage Steamboat match, and it, it was like he was that guy, meaning that late living legend who had seen every era, been in every situation. If you wanted to call him up and interview him on a topic, you know he would have been there and had seen it and saw it. So, I mean, shout out to Gene. I say goodbye to him on the show, and it's a, it's a fitting goodbye. Thank you so much for the time, Gene. You're a treasure to this industry, and it's been my pleasure. Brian Campbell, my, my sentiments exactly toward you. Oh, love that man. We shot him out there. Gene Okerlund, 76 years old, a treasure to this industry. It was fun giving him a few minutes to start Adam. But, man, do we got to get this show fired up, get it going. Um, I don't want to tip my hand or uh, or uh, do anything else gross, but um, I'm really excited about wrestling, Adam, in ways that don't necessarily have to mean revolution, wrestle kingdom, AEW, being the elite. You're damn right. I'm excited about all those things. You're damn right. I am all in on all those things. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Brandy, whether she's talking about wrestling or real life for her and I, I was all in on both of those. But my point of bringing this up, Silver King, is WWE, I'm all in right now. I power watched two SmackDowns and one and a half Raws last night to get caught up. Watched NXT this morning. Wow. So you've said that again. Did you? previously watched the other half of that raw yeah uh oh, christmas so week everything. i watched okay. the first half went to uh went to la to cover ufc and john jones and then uh got back and tried to catch up furiously after the new year's and uh man is it my wrong say, let's, let's just say this because you're giving away a main event topic and we need to get into that very soon but i'll put it very simply the last two weeks of wwe tv for being taped holiday shows had no business being as good as they were it's a great show. That's a there's great no point. other year. There's no other circumstance where four taped holiday shows were ever in the same universe as these four. Like it's insane. You damn right? right. You want to get into this main event? And get right into it. Hit me with the music.
Now we're going to save the WWE and we're going to get to it. Trust. But we're going to start with the biggest news from the last few days. And that is the formal announcement of all elite wrestling AEW. It was announced on New Year's Eve via an episode of Being the Elite at 3 a.m. Eastern. That's 12 Pacific. Um, Here, let me break down for you what we already know about all elite wrestling. And BC, you can then just let it flow from there. Uh, Reports are out that Cody will be the executive producer, that the Jacksons, Matt and Nick, will serve as bookers for it. Christopher Daniels, who is a longtime ROH you know, veteran wrestler, will be an agent, and others that will be joining will be in various roles. Um, Hangman Page, obviously, is going to be there the rest of SCU. And really, after that, and Brandy Rhodes as well, we don't necessarily know who's going to sign or what's going to happen. They also announced the Double or Nothing event will be the follow-up to All In, basically the first event under the AEW banner. Dave Meltzer reports that there's multiple TV outlets that have early offers on the table for AEW, nothing concrete at all, but he does because there's so many offers. He does anticipate a deal eventually. Um, The Elite just, I think, yesterday, which would be Tuesday, signed multi-year contracts with AEW, and those that they showed were Cody, The Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Brandy, and Mrs. Matt, Matt Jackson's wife, who does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. There's no immediate working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's no news about Kenny Omega possibly joining them. And really, I think we'll get into this, but Wrestle Kingdom 13 might tell us a lot about what is going to happen relationship-wise or whether these guys, Cody and the Young Bucks included, and Hangman, will actually still be in NJPW. More details, BC, will be announced on January 8th at an event that's next Tuesday in Jacksonville. That's where we are. Tell me what you think. Isn't that the same uh, week that WWE is in Jacksonville, by the way? WWE has a SmackDown there, I think, the same day. Yeah. That's not a coincidence, brother. In Jacksonville, you know what also is not a coincidence? Chris Jericho getting tickets to the Vikings game last week, putting out a picture of him and his wife, and thanking the son of the Jacksonville Jaguars owner for getting him those tickets. And all of these are not coincidences. They are all connected, and they are all connected to my feel hole at the moment. Oh, wow. Adam, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Feel that! I don't think you feel that right now. I'm looking at your face on Skype. I don't think you feel that. No, I mean, I... Uh, You're almost upset about this. You're, this no, I'm not upset. I'm underwhelmed. It's just... Oh, uh, here look, we here's go. The, here's the problem. Here's here it the is. Problem. Go ahead, Silver li- Put It's a... not their fault. It's not their fault. But the, the problem is we knew about it. Put so a like black lining just... on the silver cloud. Do it. I love that I can't speak when you ask me a question. It's always fun. Uh, they... Basically, all of this leaked. You and I, on two or three occasions on the show, discussed, well, Double or Nothing makes sense to be the next event. It would make sense if these guys were bookers and in a producer role. They really do need a TV deal. Like, we basically said all this stuff. And I'm not saying that any of that is us being, like, prognosticators or anything. But, like, this is the stuff that we kind of knew and projected from the leaks. I want to know the real stuff. When they get a TV deal, that will be exciting. If they sign Kenny Omega, that will be exciting. If they have a working relationship with NJPW, that will be exciting. But right now, this is everything I expected, so I'm not going to get more excited when everything you expected. You shot this thing down so hardcore at multiple times, including when that first report leaked, and you got all what I said. What I said was, what I said was, I'm not going to go believe some outlet that 
you know, has a history of making things up completely. And what it turned out to be is they took that information from someone else anyway. So people were giving them credit when they actually took it from a guy who did some research and found out some stuff who I did respect and did like, but I didn't know it because everyone was crediting this other it outlet. So no, BC, BC, when, BC, when there's, we're dealing in this era of misinformation that we are right now, and you have a website that historically basically makes things up, and you want me to go get juiced and go crazy about it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for something to happen. I want you to blade. The, when get the trade, juiced. I can't finish talking. Get when juiced. The tra- when the trademarks get re- got released, I got juiced. We talked about it. We had a really exciting conversation. Now you're saying, hey, are you even more excited now? No, I'm not because this is everything that we expected. I'm going to be excited for the next steps. Wow. Wow. I don't know. You feel that? I felt it in my bones. Yeah, I felt that pretty down deep. And it's not even just like you screwed up the announcement because you made it all about some website when the announcement was really about the fact that there was smoke to the fire, that it was coming. Now, the announcement almost isn't even about Cody, the Bucks, AEW, the Jaguar Suns owner, NJPW or the damn revolution. Do you, the Jaguars? Do you know the what Jaguars. it's do you know what it's really about? It's about why the revolution started. Why for a year and a half on this show have I been getting fired up about how badly we need this revolution, not just want it. Not because I hate WWE. Not because I want WWE to go out of business. Not because I want Vince McMahon to fail and die or any of those things. Because we need competition. Because WWE proper, as we all know and say every week, consistently underachieves for the potential that it has. We and the only way to get them out of that is real competition. And you know who wants more competition than anybody else? Vinnie Mac. Why do you think he's leveraging his grandkids' uh, college future on some football league that's destined to fail? Because he's <laughs> bored. Why do you think he's back on TV right now? Because there's competition. Why do you think WWE's holiday shows, which, yes, Adam, had no business being that good why do you think they were that good because they know what's coming aew and it's not even about bc selling his soul to how good i think aew could be it's almost not even about that it's about that somebody's putting the money down on the line we all win because somebody's willing to put the money down to take a chance we win you and i you're you You're and I, so funny. you will sit there and wait for it to have to be good before you can get excited. Where am I? I'm already telling you, look at WWE Raw and SmackDown. It's better right now because of these Mavericks and these you guys are that so are going funny. out there. Here's, here's why you're funny, because so much of what you say is right, but you always take it one step too far. OK, so so let me break down where you're right, because you said two things that are very correct. Number one. The competition that this could bring, the fact that it's a real organization with real money behind it, that is exciting. That's really damn cool. And if they start signing people up and start taking people who are underutilized elsewhere and and utilizing them correctly and they book good storylines and they do all those things, that's fantastic. Not just for AEW. It's fantastic for WWE because they're going to need to compete. You're 100% right. But if you're freaking crediting WWE's last couple of weeks – to an organization that doesn't exist yet, and you think, like, WWE is getting out ahead of it? No. The reason why the WWE product has improved over the last three weeks is because their ratings hit all-time lows, and they said, holy crap, our ratings are hitting all-time lows, and 10 months from now, we're about to start on Fox. We can't have this. Oh, and by the way, we're going into our biggest season of the year, the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, when things always naturally get better anyway. So you cannot give AEW credit for WWE improving today. Now... When AEW starts, if their product is significantly better and exciting and it's taking viewers away, 
and then WWE steps up their game even more, then you'll be a thousand percent correct. On that. DC, I knew you were going the last there. three weeks have nothing to do uh, with it. They AEW. actually have everything to do with it. And I knew no, you were going don't. there when in reality, if you look back over the last couple of years and go through the Meltzer rags, they always approach record lows during their self-imposed correct. lull times when they stop caring, right? Football season, post-mania. So this would have happened anyway. Adam, the fact that we're getting the four McMahon Hemsleys back on TV has everything to do with them knowing that AEW is getting launched, with them behind the scenes in Meltzer confirmed offering contracts to the Bucks and oh, yeah. and Cody or, or Paige, one of the two. But they were doing that anyway. That didn't that wasn't to stifle an AEW. They had to do that anyway. Because they were they huge because New Japan was getting bigger. Do you know the best way to 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 dull the announcement of competition? Because AEW's gonna have a big announcement. Because by the way, they will have a TV thing. They have a lot of money they're gonna go after at those you would, rumors. You would hope so. They're yeah, talking to I mean, big time TV uh networks. We're gonna find out which one gets the gets it. But the point on that is to to counteract an announcement like that, you better have a hot product. They're gearing this thing up right now. They're trying again. That's why Vince is back. That's why no. Vince and AJ had a moment from heaven a week a week ago. Like, that was fantastic. That's why it's mattering because guess what? This is getting Vince out of bed now. He's not just laying around in his dollars, you know, looking at the Q3 report now. This is what he lives for. So you're telling me an organization that doesn't exist, that has people who have never outside of one show, never booked and produced wrestling before is keeping Vince up at night and getting him out of bed and getting him excited about competing. again. Yes. Why is he on TV? He doesn't prefer to be on TV. I just explained it to you, dude. No, because it's look at the last couple of years. You say they hit lows every year and they do. They They do. They hit their yearly lows at the end of the year. These were record all time lows. Dude, Go back on the rags over the last few years. They've hit record all time lows. And now these were even lower. Right. So I'm telling you, this is already working. The revolution, what that is, is is it's making it's rising it's a rising tide bringing all the ships up. Every wrestling organization is doing their best work ever right now, and everyone's forcing the, each other into competition. What we need is a real number two. We're getting that's it. True. And Everything you're saying is true. Do... Like NXT is only as good as it is because of the NDC and NGPW. I totally agree. But AEW is not causing Raw and SmackDown to be better now. I think it's it could one million in the percent future. causing them to be better right now. It's not. It's not. You're taking it way too far. Why would and this WWE, is why I get, okay. and this is why I get right. tweets being like, "Man, you really tolerate BC's like tolerate? fanboy revolution right. addiction." Yeah, I swear to God, I got tweets hey, about. You guys that. can all keep ripping me in the media waves. And he disrespected me and my family through the media waves, you know. And, yeah, and that's and fine. Is, and, it, and, it that, is, but... and it is tolerating, and it is frustrating because because I am not. 150 percent you're not even 25 percent right you think i'm at 25 percent because i'm not going overboard to the level that like you're going like above and beyond going insane about fans don't get to see your dms i see them i see your slack messages when you i try to tell you to calm down just like i do on the show it's the exact same it really is all right here's what here's what you really gotta understand why can't i be excited about something but not think like like not take it to because the I level that you take it. Like like Vince when he pointed and poked on AJ's chest. I know there's a black hole in your heart that wants them to fail, and that's fine. Because even if they fail, I if they raise the tides, this we all win. But here's my point here. Okay, I know this is true. Do you think Vince would allow? Because they're gonna move, they're obviously moving quickly. Meaning AEW, they're moving really quickly. Right? We just had all in. We were just saying, what if now they're they're signing with this new like they're making this thing happen. It's happening. Do you think Vince is going to allow that January 8th press conference to happen when his product is mailed in and sucks? No. That's why he got out of bed to get back on screen. That's why he took another bump from AJ. 
He's not going to let that happen. If they're going to launch, he's going to be putting his best foot forward. He's not just going to mail it in while they rise up because then all the angry people. Of course he's not. Of course he's not, BC. But <laughs> So that's why this is back. They have inside sources. They knew this was coming. This isn't a surprise to WWE. How do you not see this, Silver King? How they do knew, you not so they knew there was a January 8th press conference and no one else did. But they knew. Uh, yeah, there's, wrestling's okay. a small circle in real life. Everyone talks. Okay. That's why Meltzer has okay. a career, by the way, because everybody talks, okay? Well, he didn't report it. Right, he got it wrong. You and him are the only two that got this wrong from the beginning. Everybody else knew wrong. this was I happening. I nothing wrong, BC. The revolution is wrong. real. It's in your face. It's in your ear hole, Silver King. It's coming. And again, whether it succeeds or not, the real quote-unquote succeed is making WWE better because we deserve that. We put a lot of time as fans into this. This news is big, but you're right. Kenny Omega is the key factor in this. It's, okay, it's not just, but it's not Jericho's just Kenny. nice. Like Kenny, well, Kenny brings Coda with him. It's a, it's a two men. Correct. There you go. There you go. And okay, and I'll even extend it. It's Kenny, Coda, and the potential of NJPW guys. You're right, because those are the best wrestlers Correct. in the world. Let's not like I love Matt and and uh, and and the other young buck. I love Cody, and they are the geniuses. They are the Han Solo and the Luke Skywalker of this revolution. But they can't do it alone. Obviously, they need but, those guys. So. How it plays out, hopefully we find this out on September 8th, will be key to the future. Will they be able to rent these NJPW guys on the side while they also contribute to the big NJPW pay-per-views? It all comes down to what this new thing looks like. Maybe this new thing is taking being the elite, like we talked about before, mixing it with some wrestling matches and putting that out as a show. Maybe the entire show is just backstage stuff. We have no idea. Maybe AEW is just pay-per-views. A lot of things need to be answered, but... You have to stop for a second, Adam, and you've been really, really hit or miss, hot or cold on Cody over the last year, and you've said some really mean things about him that I'm telling, <laughs> I'm telling Brandy during Pillow Talk. I'm telling her when next time she asks me if I'm all in so that they know where you stand and what side you're on. Cody, you got to give him the credit. He's Dusty's son right now. He's Dusty's friggin' son. He's got balls. He's got it. He's the... I was wrong. I thought Kenny was pi- was piloting the revolution ship all along. I was wrong. Cody, you're a maverick. You're a hero. You're a believer. You're a pioneer. You're doing new things by doing it the old way, and I love it. This is the guy we need to stop for a second, clap, and say... He's going to make the whole industry better, and he already has. He's the most important cog in this, outside of maybe Brandy, you know, if we're really being honest. Well, he's the most important cog in this revolution. You're right that none of it happens without him, but to say that I hate on him is not true. The two negative things I have ever said about Cody, one, I didn't like his match with Nick Aldis. Like, I just don't like him in the ring. I don't think... People have given a couple of his matches, at least one of them, maybe the Kenny one, five stars. He is not a good enough wrestler to ever be considered in that his in Coda that match with plane with other people. It was Wrestle Kingdom one last year with Coda, the four and a half star one was, it was fantastic. It was fine. It was fine. It fine. Wasn't very good. fine. It was fine. Dude, that was match fine. was out of control good. good. Are you it kidding wasn't very me? Good. It wasn't. It was okay, good. I, I don't like him as a wrestler. Out. Why Time can't out. I just why can't I disagree with you? Because you make outrageous claims and you think the show is. I can don't keep going. like him as a wrestler. You just said his match with Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 12 was, fine. was quote unquote fine. Fine is like a B minus C plus. That match was like an uh, A. B, B minus B, yeah. It was a B minus wow. B. Wow. I, I wish it's sort of like. Every good thing that happened. He had one really good move, the crossroads on the ring apron. Everything else in that match was Coda. You ever go over someone's house like like your wife or girlfriend meets a new friend. They're like, hey, come over. You'll love her husband. And you go over there and you're like, you know what? 
I'm going to hit it off with this guy. We don't know each other, but I'm going to go and get top shelf IPAs. Like, top shelf. Like, I'm getting the good stuff. The stuff you got to wait in line in the woods at that brewery that, that doesn't sell in the stores. That kind of IPAs. And you show up, and you give them to him, and he goes, oh, thanks. And then he opens his fridge, and he's got Miller High Life. Like, 45 cans in the fridge, all right? He can't hear Jimmy. He just, you just wasted, dude, you just wasted all, like, he can't hear Jimmy. Don't be that guy right now. That Don't is, miss that out. That is one of the, that is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. You just said Cody Coda was fine. It was. It was the best match of his career. It was fantastic. All it this. Been, it, you know what? It might have been the best match of his career. And yeah, it was, it was like fine. a four and a half star match. And him beating all this was arguably was the moment of the year. That was a bad match that told a good story. So my criticisms of Cody, getting back to it, my criticisms of of Cody are I don't like him in the ring, which is a fair opinion. It's my opinion. It's not right or wrong. It's my opinion. Uh, And I thought that whether you want to call it a shrewd move or a lucky move, and that depends on your perspective, him getting in with the biggest faction and biggest group in independent wrestling did a lot to help him become relevant on the independent scene aside from having his name. Now that said, this has definitely been a mutually beneficial partnership with Bullet Club. So if he thought that's what he was getting, some notoriety and some bookings and so on and so forth with them, well, guess what? All in and all elite wrestling and all this stuff doesn't happen without Cody because he has a mind for the business that I will always respect. And it's clear that him in the producer role is the best possible move for AEW. That is something I absolutely love and not because it probably will get him off the screen a lot or some or whatever, but that's the role that it seems like he's been destined to have. And that gets me excited for him to have that. The Jacksons being bookers again, I like the Young Bucks. I like them more than I do Cody in the ring. I don't love them as wrestlers, but I think as bookers, as TV writers, they're doing a great job. So these three people being put in position to really succeed at what I think they're best at, I think that's very cool. My biggest concern about AEW is the roster because they can go out and sign some independent wrestlers and get a couple people here and there and WWE people whose contracts expire, some mid-tier, bottom-tier. Yeah, maybe a couple come over. Maybe they do get Chris Jericho. Maybe they convince CM Punk to make a surprise appearance wow. or two. All that's pretty cool. Get Neville. Get but you Neville. Need a ro- and Neville and uh, pa- Pac or whatever his name is. All that could be cool. But you need a roster of consistent talent that you're going to have. And if it's basically the equivalent of, like, ROH dudes, that ain't going to work for me. No, I'll, I'll agree with you. If it's no Kenny and no prime NJPW guys, it's going to be a, a, a super It's going to be a super ROH show. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be like an ROH right. super show, and, and it's not going to cut it. They've got a big opportunity here to make it matter. So what AEW needs to be for me, Adam, I think it does need to be a weekly product of some form. Now, you know, like it doesn't you don't have to follow yeah. the WWE. Yeah, I don't think blueprint. they're going to stop. I don't think they're going to stop doing their show or an equivalent of it, you know? And it, it, look, they, they got a sense of humor and, uh, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia in there. They're, they're funny in what they do. It works. Uh, you got to load the pay-per-views, obviously, when they do them. Whatever those shows are, it's got to be the it's got to be an all-star group of the indies. And maybe it'll be interesting to see which companies will turn and say, well, no, I'm not 
part of AEW, you know, whether it's Ring of Honor, whatever. Are these companies going to be fine being almost a feeder system to AEW if AEW has the type of long-term potential that we think, or are they going to eventually go, no, you're going to have to be exclusive with us. That's where it's going to get really interesting. And if NJPW closes its doors to AEW, it will not have the impact that we hope and think. That's the biggest key. And I don't know what the relationship is between NJPW and ROH in terms of do they have a contract where for a certain amount of time they agree to do stuff together? Obviously, they have this WrestleMania weekend show at Madison Square Garden, which honestly, BC, probably, I mean, we're thinking it may not have Omega. It's not going to have the Bucks. It's not going to have Cody. It's not going to have Hangman. We don't know so that's like, not going to have them. We don't know well, that. Well, they all said they're not. No, they said they're not running it. They said they're not going to be on it. Oh, I'm, 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 I did not know this. You're saying yeah, yeah. All those separately names before, officially before the said... AEW announcement, Cody, the Bucks, and I think Hangman all said they won't be on that show. That's, so that's a... so if they're right, so if they're not going to be on that show and Cody's in a title match, the Bucks are in a match with Grills of Destiny at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and Kenny, obviously, he hasn't said one way or the other. I don't think he's in the WGP heavyweight championship match. I do think Wrestle Kingdom, which is this Friday, by the way, is going to tell us a lot about whether there's going to be any relationship, some relationship or whether it's maybe just they're allowed to wrestle there. They decide that they're allowed to wrestle there. So right, if you're I don't know. I don't know all of all of those answers, but the NGPW talent was a big part of all in and a bigger part than I think people give it credit for being. And they can get the best independent wrestlers from across the world. And if they do that, they're going to be in great shape. But a lot of those people are under contract to ROH, to impact to, uh, Mexico, you know, Mexican territories, NGPW. I don't necessarily know how quickly and how much of a quality roster they're going to be able be able to build. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting what NJPW's perspective is here because you know we know that they got a new owner over the past year. The guy what Harold Maji or Maj, whatever his name is. I don't think he's a new own. Is he a new owner or is he just a new president? I'm sorry, new, new a- president running the show. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know they have they want to do a North American expansion. They've been doing it. They've been working with Axis. I think everyone would be smart to try to work together, to try to keep access with each other and try to do that. And uh, we'll see. We'll see, man. But it's exciting because it's fresh and new and it's already making WWE work. And my most excited, uh, what I want to see happen next is who leaves WWE to come for this. And, and obviously at the same time, WWE is going to be trying to throw insane money at anybody they think could be a big player for AEW. They'll overpay to get them in. Of course, Meltzer was reporting that the Bucks were offered like main event money to, to go. You got to give those guys credit for standing firm and trying this, knowing that WWE could always be there at the end of the day. But I want to see who comes back. Think of a guy like Zack Ryder, who's friends with Cody. You always see him all over social but media. Zack Has- Ryder okay. is not moving a needle, DC. I didn't DC. necessarily say he would. I'm using him as an example, though. Give me a chance here. Uh, Someone a guy, like him. A guy who, by the way, is obviously unhappy. He just tweeted out that he was only made, was made one appearance on Raw in 2018, which I didn't even realize. And also, he's been liking all the AEW announcements on social media. Guys from his era, which is Cody's era. It's that group pre-NXT, pre-FCW era. It's going to be interesting to see. A lot of those guys are pushing 37, 38, pushing 40. Do they go, look, I made a lot of money with WWE. Went around the world a million times. Did that obscene, ridiculous schedule. I'm only on the mid to lower card. What can I do for AEW just for star power to help them, just to be a, a B-side for their you know bigger guys? That's going to be interesting because you're going to need a few of those guys. I'm not saying Zack Ryder's the world beater or the world changer, but guys on his level. Ziggler is a great example. Obviously, he's on a higher level than Zack, but Ziggler could be a star. He could be a face of AEW. Well, I think he also just resigned as making seven figures. So, so I mean, we, we don't know how we'll long say. these contracts uh, go. But, I'm saying but I, I, I think there's two keys. One, it's the same 
exact thing that helped WCW build its roster when they actually decided to compete with WWE. Dates and money. It seems clear that they're willing to pay. And considering they're not even a real full-fledged promotion right now, I don't think they're going to be touring much. I don't think they're doing, you know, five, four dates a week, at, you know, in, in small no, you, you uh, you know, towns in show. Milwaukee and stuff. Um, so I don't think the touring will be there. So the question is, will they offer guys enough money where they're getting they feel like they're getting enough despite working far less? And is that good enough for them? And I think you're right. People with families, people that are older, people that are super frustrated with their lot in WWE, Pac being a great example, Neville, I think there is an opportunity. but. I just don't know if the, Enzo, they might Enzo. need they might need that Enzo. like jolt like they might need the Dean Ambrose being like, screw this. You're going to pay me seven figures. I'm gone. They yes. may need someone like that to bring the crossover audience. And Chris Jericho has been out long enough. He's done enough NJPW where I don't think he alone would draw viewers. No, he was a big part of 2018 step forward in the revolution. 2019, he's a smaller part. He could be an important part, but he's a smaller part in that. You're right. You need a somewhat close to his prime Ambrose level name. Obviously, even though Punk's older, that would suffice because, you know, he hasn't been in the ring. It would so, help. It would somebody help, yeah. on that level needs to come. Um, I don't know if people are going to, like, quote unquote, sign with them, though. I think it all comes down. If they if their weekly show involves wrestling, whether it's live or taped, then you need to, quote unquote, sign people. But if that weekly show is more about skits and whatever and the elite and really what AEW is, is more about building toward these uh, toward these pay-per-views, then maybe you don't need to sign these guys. Maybe then if somebody like a Neville, you say, okay, here's the deal, Neville, you're going to work part time dates and. ROH part-time dates in Japan, and then you're going to do all of our majors. And that could, you that, know, that could be the thing because. But don't forget, don't forget, AEW is now op- operating as competition, major competition to forget WWE. They're not competing with WWE yet. They're competing with ROH, Impact, PWG, you know, some of these smaller promotions, the UK promotions, etc. So, whereas people were okay to lend talent out and, and sign waivers for them to go play an all-in, have fun, and, and, and be in that world. They're not going to be so kind to just say, oh, yeah, go ahead and work AEW. Make that place better. Oh, and when your contract comes up, leave us and sign with them. They're not going to be that happy to do that. So they're facing an uphill battle. I don't think enough people are understanding how difficult this may be. And that's not to put a damper on it. It's to say if this works, they're going to get they, they're going to get and deserve a ton of credit because there are so many obstacles. And these guys may have been in the industry long. They may have and they have been. They haven't run a promotion. This is very, True. very difficult. And Tony Khan, he may be rich. He may have you know, done TV deals. He may be working in sports. He's never worked in professional wrestling to this level before. So a lot of new people taking a lot of first-time steps. Whatever network decides to invest and actually give them a deal is taking a massive leap on a one-time show that had a shitload of production help and a ton of other help talent-wise. And, well, and don't put so, it all and, on and, one show. And by the way, BC, and I, and I always say this, it took him 12 months to do All In. All right, they're well, gonna have I, to I start love doing how you're shows. Just, you're, you're, you love taking shots for no reason. No, no, I'm not taking show. shots. I'm not taking shots. I'm saying a TV network that decides to get behind this is taking a major leap on, are, on, a, on a couple guys here, who took things. a year to build a single show. Okay, That's all I'm saying. Let's be honest here. It's not one show that they're that they're buying. If they buy make a deal, they're buying the fact that these guys are. That's what I'm saying. Dominating merch because of this self-made YouTube show. That's. You know what I mean? Like that. So they're doing. So what I'm saying is maybe Cody and the Bucks are going to do things differently, and we'll see what that different means. And I think one thing that you underscore is the schedule in life in WWE and how demanding it is. If you can get somebody off of that schedule and say you're going to make three quarters of what you used to make, 
but you can take a month off at a time or whatever, that's going to matter to these guys that are Absolutely. older 100%. So, hey, we'll see it, man. A lot more to know, but uh, like I said from the beginning, for the revolution, to the end game to be real, these steps have to happen. So look at these freaking steps, man. We had a year ago at this time Jericho and, and Omega, and it mattered. It made Wrestle Kingdom real. We had the greatest match of all time, probably, Okada Omega 4. We had a couple U.S. shows with NJPW. Then we had All In. It's happening. Silver yeah. Kings happen. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an, I would say, more than me being excited about the New Year's Eve announcement, I'm excited, at, just like you said when you opened it, at the time of being a wrestling fan, the options that we have. And I'm really excited that if AEW does work and it's pretty decent, I don't even have to have to think about Ring of Honor or Impact again. Like, because I occasionally will like dip a toe into those and then get extremely disappointed every time I do. If this actually starts working, I just never, I'm never, never going to think about it again. And that's the problem that they're going to face. Ring of Honor fills the hearts of a lot of people, especially the people who were going to the shows during the Rollins, Daniel Bryan era, and all that. But the reality is they're playing to 1800 seat arenas, they're a feeder for the all star elite. Indies, which is going to be and their and their booking is terrible. How about terrible? No, terrible, terrible. All right, you you can let that hatred continue. Uh, hey, so AEW, well done, Cody. Good luck to you, Brandy. I'm still all in. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, also, fix your logo because the W is like twice the size of every other letter in it. Uh, outside of that, I do I do actually like the logo. By the way, that's because the wrestling um, matters twice as much. That's why. Right. Yeah, but it's hiding E, which is elite, which is the key word in the entire thing right, because right. they're the elite and they're saying it's not about us it's about wrestling it's you got to think no they're, i think they're going to come out and be like we're going to be an elite wrestling organization with elite talent which would be the key word so that needs to be prominent sorry i'm a logo uh snob about things like that anyway bc second part of our main event we're finally getting to wwe and i'm going to repeat what i said earlier in the show they put their best foot forward that you could ever ask for with taped programming they gave us four Really solid episodes, two which you might consider great. They taped them for the Christmas holiday and for the New Year holiday. Last week, we didn't do a show. We had our Wrestling Awards edition, so we have a lot to talk about regarding WWE. But do you agree with my general premise here? WWE, they promised us fresh faces. They promised us new matches. In my opinion, they have delivered since that promise. I'll say this. They have delivered on on trying more and giving us entertainment and and making it a little bit different. I think their message of all the things that are going to be new isn't like in reality, not, I don't think much change. Here's my well, point. Of course, I, of course. I, like they came and said, everything's going to change. No, it didn't change. They just tried harder and they put the McMahons and triple H uh, a little bit more forefront. And although in the beginning, I thought it was a little too baby fish, baby face ish. The last two weeks, man, they turned it around, and uh, it's it's good. It's, I want to watch it. It's it's good now. There's intensity. They're making these segments and matches matter. There's real intensity. Yes, there's some creative matches, but everyone that's new really hasn't arrived yet, to be honest with you. So that's not all true. But but, but when trying. they were talking about new, BC, they weren't really talking about just adding new people to the show. They were talking about putting people on TV who aren't on TV, and that's what they've done. I mean – We'll, we'll get into some you know specifics here, but over the last two weeks, we've seen featured the revival Apollo Crews, Andrade Cien Almas, and Zelina Vega, the Good Brothers Sanity, Mustafa Ali, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, and that's just some of them. We've also seen people in matches that hadn't been on TV. We're seeing the return of Nakamura to TV despite him being the U.S. champion. We're seeing a lot of other things happen, so it's it's not so much that it's new faces that you've never seen before, although they are promoting those very strongly. They're airing them every single week. 
What it is is giving us episodes of TV that are not Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor in the main event four weeks in a row. Yeah, so they're not mailing it in is the ultimate thing here, and I'm proud of them for trying, and I know I know the reason why they're trying. We just went through that, and I'm happy. It's not their best foot forward. It's a strong foot forward, though, and it's about damn time, and I'm really entertained, and there is a fresh, and specifically on SmackDown, which already had a different feel, obviously. That, that, that was a product that really had consistently entertained us. We're really mad at Raw, if we're going to be really honest, but... Uh, right. Even SmackDown just feels a little bit extra special. Maybe it's the addition of of somebody like Ali, who who would just love to see get a chance like this. But yeah, man, I mean, you're starting to feel that energy. And by the way, when you consistently have Vince on and trips in the right spot, not trips with glow sticks, but you know, just destroy or you know, corporate trips, you you do raise the 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 feeling around you. Just like when Brock Lesnar comes back after not being there for two months, everything gets raised. So. I love that feel, man. I, you just got to keep bringing it, WWE. Just stop mailing it in. Stop friggin' mailing it in. It's time now. There's competition. Let's do it. Yes. I'm just so shocked because usually what they do for either holiday episodes, whether live or taped, or tape episodes, which are very rare for WWE, is they don't want to put a lot out there because they're always scared about things getting leaked. And because especially when it's taped, there's going to be spoilers, right? And they're worried people aren't going to tune in. But the problem is, or, or the, the smart thing they did is, they put good stuff on the taped shows, which made people want to tune in to see what happened. You tell me Becky Lynch is going to go face to face with John Cena. I am tuning in for that. You're going to tell me that there's a, a tag team title match. If I'm a wrestling fan between the revival and Bobby uh, Roode and Chad Gable, I'm going to tune in for that because I like good wrestling. So they did a really good job. And you're saying a, a strong foot forward, but not their best. I disagree for a normal week. Strong for Hollywood holiday and uh, taped episodes, I've never seen WWE do something like this in terms of delivering things that matter, putting in backstage segments that matter, and not just doing BS for three or two hours, which is what they normally do. And we have a lot to get to, and we actually have a special edition Hero or Zero lightning round that we're going to do to discuss some of the specific booking angles that we missed over the last two weeks. But I have a couple things I want to talk to you about. The first one right off the top is the return of John Cena that happened just last night on Tuesday. And Becky Lynch coming out to the ring, stepping up to them, to him, and them having a mixed tag team match. What did you think of that moment? All right, we're going to delay the talk of how weird John Cena looks for a second, and it's damn true. Uh, this yeah. is a pretty, pretty brilliant use of John Cena. He's back right now. He had to spike ratings because he's going to be on both shows. But the real reason why he's back right now is to promote that movie that he's in. So you bring him back. You do your typical John Cena stuff, him playing to the crowd, kind of off script, trying to, you know, you know that's, that's all you got, that kind of stuff. But to them, use him as a fall guy for Becky to just continue to extend her heat and pop right now. It, it was genius. It was really smart for him to to come out, get his chairs, but then kind of let her undress him. And and he, he cut some post uh, stuff, you know, yeah. WWE.com afterwards where he's still kind of putting her over. But that was a really smart use of him. And I was happy to see that. Um, he looks really weird, Adam, like really weird. <laughs> Like, really, really weird. That's well, just a bad haircut for a guy trying to cover a bald spot. So he did an interview, and he explained the reason his hair is like that is basically because casting directors and agents told him, you're limited in what we can book you to do with, like, the crew cut and the shaved sides. And, like, there's only so many characters that work like that. So if you want to play a dad in movies and you want to do some of these other things, you need to actually have hair on your head and look like that role. And if you, know you think about it. that too? 
the damn rock, just so you know. They didn't say that well, in no, the damn rock. Well, no, here's the but here's the difference, okay? The rock is an action movie star. Cena, while he may be in an action movie here and there, it took it took Hollywood a while to figure out how to actually use him. The way he works best is in comedic roles and in like an older man type of you know situation like that. Uh, there's a movie Blockers that came out where he's like the 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 angry you know who would in another situation be a gun toting father to a younger daughter who is talking about losing her virginity and he goes to all ends to stop that from happening. Right? It's those types of roles that Cena works best in. There's the movie with uh, right. They want him to be the, the woman from SNL. Dad. What's her name? Uh, damn. I mean, they didn't tell The Rock Tina to Fett. shave his head. They didn't tell Vin Diesel because those guys aren't going to be the comedic uh, white guy dads. It's, I mean, right, and even and even The Rock, when he's in that role, he's like in a tank top and he's showing off the muscles, and that's the type of comedic role he's playing. Like alongside Kevin Hart, he's an FBI agent, right? You can have a haircut like that when you're an FBI agent. You're not going to have – or a CIA agent in that movie. You're not going to have a haircut like that when you're you know, a stay-at-home dad who you know plays with Barbies and, and – washes his daughter's hair so they have to grow hair out so anyway that's why his hair is like that but i called this out like six nine months ago bc when i saw him growing it out i thought he was trying to cover a bald spot he looks so weird it just doesn't work and in wwe he always wears hats why wouldn't you just wear the hat i don't know it didn't make sense they're still trying they're- to preserve the essence of who he is he just won that sports illustrated human muhammad ali humanitarian award which is you know it's worthy by the way it does great stuff sure. for charity but I think that he's now that he's 41. Can we get out of jorts? Can we get away from that? Like, I know he's not doing these type of things anymore. I'll beat his ass so sore. It's like he did a prison tour. And granted, rightfully so. So can we find like when he was doing cargo shorts, the Marine John Cena, it was cool. You know, it kind of worked. Okay, can we find an, an adult contemporary version of his character? Did he was he wearing jorts like jean shorts on yes. Tuesday? Yes, he was. They weren't like the cargo, like the the. Straight up no. jorts. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, they should go back to the the cargo ones were cool, and I think that totally works. Um, but anyway, this segment was fantastic. I think we've now seen John John Cena and Edge put over Becky Lynch um, in similar type of spots, which I think is incredible. They are really pushing her. It's no longer like oh maybe they'll push her and then she'll fall to Charlotte and Charlotte will face Ronda Rousey. No, they're going all in with Becky Lynch and good for them. Becky Lynch was fantastic, not just. In the segment where she like actually ripped Cena and at the end where he went to shake her hand and she did You Can't See Me and walked away, oh, which, it. by the way, don't want to talk about feel spot. That was feel spot for me. But like tagging him in by slack, slapping him across the chest, pushing him out of the ring so she can get the pinfall. It was great. And kudos to WWE for putting her in that spotlight. And I am the man. And you are Bex, but uh, Vega and Almas were also pretty damn good. And I wasn't that excited when they teamed up Bex and Cena. Uh, not that I expect them to have a match, by the way, but I was like, all right, this is formulaic WWE. And then Vega's working like top shelf right now. So first of all, I mean, we got to be really honest with ourselves right now. I mean, it's it's. I mean, can can we just can all the female listeners just tune out for a second? Wow. So that let me just establish that. And obviously she's going to be in that Page movie. She, her life's turning around. But uh, we know that she broke up with Austin Aries. But are you watching on social media that she's now with uh, Alistair Black, it seems? And they're doing... Uh, they're mar- the- I, think they, I think they got married. Yeah, they're doing these kickboxing, intense workouts. And I'm like, this is an interesting couple right Wow, AB, this guy, Alistair Black, going... Uh, yeah, wow, all right. Yeah, you know, after speaking with Alistair Black at WrestleMania weekend, I would not have put that together. Those oh, two. Well, well done. Well done. You know? But well done. Well, yeah, well done. Um, You did mention the match, which I thought was pretty solid. And you know what? One of the reasons I love WWE TV over the last two weeks, they gave us 
a lot of really high quality matches. I'm not saying five star matches, but like three and a half, four star, solid three star matches. I'm going to read off a couple. I'm curious if any stuck out to you that you want to mention. You had Ronda Rousey and Natalia, the main event from Raw two weeks ago, Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler, the Rude Gable revival match I mentioned, uh, Mustafa Ali against Andrade Cien Almas last week. Ali won that. The six-woman tag team match this week with the uh, Boston Hug Connection and Ember Moon against the Riot Squad. Holy crap, in my opinion. And the fatal five-way number one contenders match that ended SmackDown on Tuesday. All right. Um, I, I power-watched so many episodes in a row that I fast-forwarded through a lot of the six-woman tag and uh, and I think even Balor Ziggler. I'll say this. So Ali, the um, six-woman tag, six tag this week on Raw, I was stunned how good it was really i'm I'm, in, yeah. I'm intrigued by that um ali almost was fantastic i loved it but it wasn't even as good uh, the best match of that group and of the last two weeks is that fatal five way that thing was a pay-per-view match that was fantastic and here's the thing i don't like when we do really good raw or smackdown main event matches that mean nothing when it's just like oh we crossed paths earlier in the show so now we're gonna have a tag team match later this match mattered. You're setting up Daniel Bryan's opponent for Royal Rumble. It really mattered coming off of what we're going to talk about between McMahon and uh, and AJ Styles. And to have it be that good, to have AJ and uh, Rey Mysterio be in the same ring for the first time ever, to have Ali try to match his skills with those contemporary legends, loved it. Like, we could do a whole segment on that match. I loved the crap out of it. I thought Rousey and Natalia was interesting. It was more of a time filler. They wanted to give them the showcase. It was very rest hold heavy. I get the story they were trying to tell with the wrestling on the mat, and there were certain parts that were good, certain parts I certainly had to fast forward through knowing what I was up against watching 18 hours of wrestling in the span of about eight. But, uh, yeah, man, that Fatal 5-Way changed my life almost. It was so good. So Rousey and Natalia, uh, I agree with you. It was slow at parts, but they had a lot of time to fill. I thought the finish was fantastic. Um, the, both the storytelling, it gave Rousey a little bit of character, which I appreciated. It showed that she ha does have two sides to her. And they actually paid that off this week by showing her backstage, like stewing, like, you know, rubbing her fists, like getting ready to fight Natalia and Tamina. So you saw like badass Rousey this week, caring friend Rousey last week. Um, yet she still beat Natalia and she reversed the sharpshooter into the arm bar, which come on, like. It was pretty awesome. Uh, Balor's a good match. Rude, Gable, and Revival. It just gave us a taste that there are good tag teams in WWE, and they can put on a good tag team match. The finish to that was fantastic. Ali Almas, very good match. The six-woman tag, uh, tag match this week, they're really setting up the women's tag team division pretty strong. I think you see it with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville on SmackDown. The um, Iconics certainly exist, and the Riot Squad and Becky uh, – not Becky – Bailey and Sasha, I'm all over the place this week. Uh, but this six-woman tag team match basically showcased that the women in WWE, or at least Bailey, Ember Moon, and Sasha Banks, and the uh, Riot Squad, know how to do tag team wrestling just as well as the men. I don't well, think I've, I've just, really well. seen a women's tag team match that good before. Wow. Wow. It was all really right. good. It was really good and exciting. You should watch it. All right, um, I'll, I'll but you watch won't. It. But you won't because anything I recommend, nah, I like the Mae Young Classic. Hey, I got too, some DMs, by the way, from people saying uh, the Silver King was right. You got to watch those Mae Young Classic matches. So, they're amazing. Uh, uh, but finally, finally, though, the Fatal Five Way, like you said, it was fantastic. It not only set up Russell, uh, not only set up Royal Rumble, I think it set up a WrestleMania match, too. Um, and it showcased everyone in the match extremely strong, including Ali and Joe. All right, you mentioned the Raw Tag Team Division. Uh, what did you make on the Being the Elite episode over Christmas of when they had a fake Triple H there, which I thought was kind of well done, 
essentially offering them contracts, which was a mirror of what happened in real life. And they wrote a letter back to him rudely saying no. But in that letter, they we, they wrote, we, we saw what you did to the Raw Tag Team division. What'd you make of that? Uh, I mean, they're right. Like it's the right. I was surprised here. I was surprised they took shots. So I don't think that AEW is going to be like calling out WWE every week. In in fact, I think it would be a major mistake if they do, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's references, uh, you know, here and there. Um, it, It seems very likely that like a team like the revival will wind up in AEW and have the feud with the young bucks that everyone's always wanted for a long period of time. So I think they might be maybe teasing something like that. I don't know their contract situation, but I thought it was a fair it was a fair statement. I mean, it was I mean, it's terrible. Like there's good talent, but they weren't they haven't been using them. And we've talked about it before. The SmackDown tag team division is overloaded. It's not even it's not fair. It doesn't work. But that match was really good. I want to tell you something that's happening right now, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Finn's getting a push right now that we kind of all wanted and hoped for him after they kind of screw him over for about a year and a half. And they're giving him that push right now. No, they're not. So that. No, they're not. He doesn't get to an unhappy level where he goes, you know what? Why don't I go back and join my old friends? He loves you. Like you keep perpetuating this thing with Finn Balor in interviews and and according to other people, Meltzer, et cetera. He loves WWE. People keep talking about like Nakamura going back to NJPW. Nakamura loves WWE. These guys like being there. Why would you give a guy a reason to be unhappy during a season where you could where something new is happening that people want to be a part of. So here's what I'm saying. I don't know Gallows and Anderson's situation. I don't know if they're going to stay they with WWE. They also love forever. WWE. How did, you don't know that. You don't know they that they told love us. Them. I was in that interview. I didn't come across out of that interview going, they, quote, they came unquote, across as frustrated WWE. with their booking, but so they here's also what have... I'm saying. I'm not going to try Anderson to speak. Said, wait, Carl Anderson has said a million times he loves WWE, the money he's making. He gets to see his family, blah, blah, blah. Well, he ahead. doesn't get to see his family, first of all. But second of all, I'm not going to try to speak for Carl Anderson and his family situation in terms of uh, the money that he needs. But I'm going to say this. I wouldn't be surprised if they went. If AEW became a thing. Okay, so, so we'll put that out there. You just said you wouldn't be surprised if the revival did. Um, I have made many speeches on the show. Hey, Finn, you know, would love to see you go back there and and do some awesome stuff. But they're probably pushing him and will continue to. So that's not a question or a thing. I want to ask you, Adam. You know, don't get all mad. Don't get all mad. I want to ask you, mm. what's the name from WWE that would shock you the most. And I, I don't okay, I guess I don't mean shock you the most cuz you could just say Roman Reigns, right? And Roman Reigns is not going to AEW. So I'm not that's not So we're turning question. our WWE segment into an AEW segment. I okay, wanted to ahead. say is there a name from WWE that if you heard it you, you like you just like what if the New Day was like collectively we're out. We're going over there. No, that wouldn't surprise me, although I think they're really happy to. Uh Seth Rollins would surprise me. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the because uh, you know people used to always say, "What's the, what's the one baseball player that would surprise you the most if you found out he was on roids?" And we'd always say Jeter, right? We'd be like, "This Jeter." Rollins is the Jeter of this answer. You're right. You're right. That's interesting. Well, I mean, Rollins is better at his job. I I love Jeter, but Rollins is. I forgot Rollins is the best better. in the world. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, equivalency. Um, I love no, that you Roll- could just Roll- Rollins would be the one who su- would surprise me because he's so young. They push him so hard. Even when he's not getting main event pushes, he's getting pushed. Fans love him. He sells a ton of merch. They obviously are bought in. So it would have to be them coming and being like, we'll give you $5 million a year. And then be like, well, huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. him just deciding to take a risk, knowing that he can always come back. That's the thing. Anyone that does leave for AEW, the thing with Vince and this WCW situation taught it to him, 
there's no burn bridges in situations like that. Vince is like, oh, you made a name for yourself. Why don't you come back? Oh, yeah. Right? And he'll pay them more. So there is risk, but there's not as much risk as wrestlers might think. That's why I'm blown away that you can be matter of fact and be like, oh, Finn's booking has nothing to do with that. We have all established that Vince is like 57,000 times smarter than us in business savvy and in, and in looking ahead to the future. We're just mad when Vince mails it in. We're not typically too mad at the decisions Vince actually goes forward with. So how could you think that that isn't part of it? Of course that's I think part at any time you have talent or you have employees, you want to keep them happy. I don't think it's a reaction to AEW. Because remember, BC, three months ago you were saying, oh, Finn, just go back to NJPW, blah, blah, blah. It was the same exact – you're literally giving the same speech substituting AEW for NJPW from multiple interviews and from reports from Meltzer, PW Insider, all these guys. Finn, Nakamura, the guys that left that came together really like being in WWE. That doesn't mean they won't leave. I'm just telling you what's been said about them. Um, and look, the fans have reacted incredibly to Finn Balor. Now, if you told me Nakamura might go back to Japan, I might be believe you a little more because – Fans like him, but there's a ceiling with Nakamura, right? There's the speech barrier. This Finn Balor, the fans want to be world heavyweight champion. I don't think WWE would let a guy like that go. And I don't think a guy his age in that position, again, he may look 28. He ain't 28. Uh, I don't think a guy his age in that position making the money he's making and has that ha who has the potential for the push that he might get would just be like, and eh, now I'm going to go to this arts upstart company over here and do that. Well, it's a combination. It's again, it would be a... I'll go back to Japan half the time and I'll do AEW the other half, you know, or work in Europe the other half. It, it, it would be a full-on indie thing. All right, we can't AEW this whole show. Can we talk can we... WWE because that's what part of the segment we're in. Is there anything else you want to say about, um, before I get into this Hero or Zero that I've put together, any uh, of the matches or people that you've seen over the last two weeks that we're not going to oh, talk about? In yeah. fact, you know what? Let me tell I don't you. really have written down Drew McIntyre anywhere. You have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're protecting him and giving a monster push. He's, 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 the, the key is how big is this push? What is he doing at Mania that's going to justify the, the protection they've given him? And the protection's been great. He is so damn strong right now. And uh, did they need that steel cage match? I thought either no or if they did, it should have been a pay-per-view. But hey, it was entertaining. They opened Raw with it. Yeah, they there was like a four segment match. They went for it, and again at the end of the day, he not only looks strong, he goes back to the well twice and destroys Dolph Ziggler. So it's full message in your face. This guy's next. What does that next mean, though? Is he going to be if if Rollins goes over Lesnar at Mania, like some people suddenly think? Does that mean it's going to be McIntyre Lesnar next summer? I don't know. It'd be or McIntyre uh, Rollins. I think it's time to push him to that level and find out who he can be because you're giving him a hell of a setup. Yes or no, is McIntyre in the Universal title match at WrestleMania? I think no. I think no right now. I say no, too. I say no, too. A lot of people think we're going to get, like, Braun McIntyre or Brock McIntyre or a triple threat between all three. I don't know why we would do that, but that's what people think. I think it's Rollins-Lesnar. I'm sticking to that. Um, you know what, BC? Let's get into Hero or Zero. All right. Now, we still have this entire Hero or Zero segment to do, but before we get into it, we're going to take a quick break. All right, we're back, BC, and we're going to kick off Hero or Zero. And by the way, these are all about WWE booking decisions over the last two weeks. This is a real lightning round edition of Hero or Zero. BC, we're going to start off with Rusev defeating 
Shinsuke Nakamura for the United States title two weeks ago. What did you think? Was it the right decision? And how'd you like the match? Hero Zero. I'll give it a hero. Uh, the crowd popped necessarily. They built up that finish uh, pretty nice with a bunch of near falls to get to it. It was sort of a holiday fun moment of a guy who deserves it. I'm going to go with Hero on there. It looks like the feud's continuing. Let's see if they can do some fun business together. It was pretty cool. He won it on his birthday, on Christmas, and on Rusev Day, no less. So definitely a hero. And it seems like they're giving him that mic time to actually come across as a real person with Lana on his side. I love it. Hero. Can Lana go back to the full-on business cash suits? I mean, can, can we No, I that? like the way she looks now. It's better. Uh, I'll go back to 2015. I'll go back pre- All right, well, we've got to stop. We'll save this debate for the After Hours version one day when, on Patreon, really, where we lose all of our <laughs> souls and listeners. Uh, all right, Adam, Hero or Zero, uh, Triple H came out on Raw and provoked his old rival, Seth Rollins, provoked him into anger and fury. Hero or Zero on where this is headed? Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Triple H and Seth Rollins head-to-head do business together. It works. There's the dynamic. There's the long-term storyline. And even though they just kind of touched on it a little bit, that wasn't really what this was about. It was a little similar to the next Hero Zero question that we're going to get to, and that took me a little off. But any chance that you can get Seth Rollins fired up and you can get Rollins to cut a promo like he did on Monday night, that's a main event promo, that's a main event event performer, That's the guy I want to see as the next Universal Champion. That, to me, that segment told me he will main event WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar and win the Universal Championship or main event against Braun Strowman, whoever, it doesn't matter. He's the Universal Champion coming out of WrestleMania hero. Wow. Um, Yeah, it gave me similar feels on like, okay, this is the turn for main event match of Mania. This is fantastic. Uh, I like the writing too. You know, you have a shot in there where he's calling out Brock necessarily, and then he's sort of defending himself well in in this fact that he's been there every week and all that stuff. It was really well done. I mean, the chemistry was great. Again, this is a part of, if you're going to bring back the McMahon-Helmsleys, let's do stuff like this and not backstage babyface stuff. Loved everything about this. Uh, Assuming Reigns doesn't come back for Mania and have a match. He's not going to. They've purposely not told us anything about his health, which sometimes leads you to believe that it's, it's, uh, that means he's not as ill or sick as you would think. I mean, this is a touchy situation. They, they keep bringing the storyline back in with Ambrose. Sometimes you don't really know. I wouldn't expect him back, but if he's not, maybe this is a turn for WWE proper saying, let's start pleasing the fans again because the fans want Seth Rollins. The fans deserve Seth Rollins, not in an IC run and the run it's time. Love that feeling. Just like putting Daniel Bryan as a heel champion, just like doing all these things. Yes, it's related to AEW, but at the same time, thank you for doing what the fans want. Oh, my God. Every single time now. It's going to be, guys, anyone that's listening, it's going to be like this every single time. Competition, dude. What, every decision that was made in the 90s Not was the decisions that are made are not all related to them. In fact, most of them won't be, and this one sure as hell wasn't. It's the right decision for WrestleMania. It's been the right decision for WrestleMania, and I've been saying it for weeks, BC. If you all right. said it, then it's going to happen. It's true. I believe okay. it. Number, yeah, that's usually how it works. Number three here on Hero or Zero. We saw Vinny K. Mac, Vince McMahon get involved in a surprise backstage moment at the end of SmackDown last week, provoking AJ Styles, poking him in the chest, slapping him across the face, saying he wants to see the real AJ Styles, and Styles comes back and knocks him the hell out. You saw the devilish grin on Vince McMahon's face at the end. You, you know, the like, oh yeah, I got what I wanted right there. BC, I know where you're going. Hero or Zero. Oh man, I'm f- 
fired up for this. Yeah, I mean, it's a monster hero, but you just nailed the uh, what nailed it, and it was Vince's reaction on the ground. Of course, he's yelling at the agents and referees to get in there and, and, and restrain Styles, but it's exactly what he wanted. That was such a good moment because it was so unexpected from AJ's character, but at the same time, now that Daniel Bryan's getting all the, the heel love at the moment right after a time when his character had started to get a little bit stale, you could really say the same thing about what they've done to AJ at times, letting him as a pure babyface get a little bit too stale, which, by the way, there's a real strong argument to make ever since Austin changed the game by being a face that's really a heel. Can any purebred babyface not named Daniel Bryan in 2014 really work and get over at an all-star insane level without having to be diabolical at the same time? Finn Balor. Yeah, 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 he's over in that regard. That that's that's a that's a fair counterpoint, but it's tough, man. It's really tough and I don't know. Uh, this was, seems like the right move because you're not turning him heel, but you're getting him angry. You're giving him an edge to him. Love it. Unless you're going to put Gallows and Anderson in his corner, which you should, by the way, and you're not going to do it. This was perfect. Uh, it was a little watered down this week, though, because I, you wanted to come back and see what the hell's going to happen next. And that bat steak segment with the two McMahons and AJ, uh, I just felt it went a little bit of a step back. Of course, they repaired it with how good that main well, event was. And AJ going over... I think it's great. And we got people DMing. I don't have time to read them, but they're just like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? AJ and Daniel Bryan just put on a near classic at TLC. We're doing this because this is great. Yes, this should be the Royal Rumble main event. This is fantastic. Yeah, I, I can't believe anyone doesn't like it. I'm really surprised at what you said about the backstage segment this week. The only counter I will say is in the past, that would have been Styles coming into the office and McMahon going nuts. How dare you get into my... Get, it, get in my face. How dare you come into my office, stand up to him, puff his chest out, and back him up, right? That's what Vince would do. Vince is older now. He's sitting in a chair for a reason. Like, that was Shane's role in that situation. That, so that's why Shane kind of stepped up stepped and was late. the guy who, by the way, just recently fought AJ Styles at WrestleMania a couple years ago and goes, Vince, are you sh dad, are you sure you want this? I've seen this guy before. I thought it was a great callback with Shane. It was great putting Shane in that situation. And it let Vince come in at the end and be like, Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> no, I no, no I'm not, not going to say it was a failure. And you're right. You nailed the good part of it. I'm saying the first meeting when he walked in, it's like you want something big and there's this awkward silence. And they just kind of look at him. Whatever. It's working. It was weird. It was right weird there. that he was standing there huffing and puffing. It's going in the right direction. Uh, is this a, is this our mania feud, by the way? Are they, can they keep this going? Nah, I don't think so. I think, uh, well, what I was alluding to in that fatal five way, I think we might get Styles Orton. Maybe if that's a mania match. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, you put Randy in, in, in an inspired B spot role in a match that important. Yes. Let's do that. Let's do That'd that. That'd be awesome. All right, Adam, uh, lightning round hero zero Santa Vince McMahon. Oh man. Uh, announced the, uh, women's tag titles on Christmas Eve in a, uh, very interesting performance in front of a fire hero or zero to the Santa job right there. Well, that's not what I'm going to answer. Uh, but I do, I do want to say we're, Telling you how good WWE has been, Raw and SmackDown, we just did three of them, six heroes combined from us, right? That's how good this has been. This right here, it's a massive zero. And what was a zero was not just Vince's performance, which was weird as hell. But we have been waiting for WWE to announce women's tag team titles. They planted signs in the crowd. They had to mention it, you know, the last couple of weeks. 
Before that, it had been mentioned by the women themselves naturally on social media. There's fan excitement. There's fan anticipation. They could have paid it off at the Mae Young Classic. They could have paid it off at SummerSlam. They could have paid it off at Evolution. Or if not paid it off, they could have announced it at any of those events. Instead, on a taped Christmas episode, in a segment where Vince McMahon is dressed up like Santa Claus, and he's announcing three things, they just throw it into the middle, and they say, hey, there's going to be women's tag team titles at some point in 2019. And they never mention it again. And the only extent of them mentioning it beyond that is uh, Bailey. I said Becky twice now. Bailey and Sasha basically being on Twitter, being like, we're going to be the first women's tag team champions. And I think maybe Michael Cole mentioned it during that six woman tag team match on Raw this week. There's no direction for it. There's no announcement of, hey, here's what they're going to be and here's how they're going to work and here's what they look like. There's no tournament. There's nothing. Now, will we get those things? Yeah, I assume we will. And maybe they're going to pay it off with the first ones being crowned at WrestleMania. But for them to announce the titles in that quick of a moment on one of the least watched shows of the year because it's a holiday show and have Vince McMahon do it backstage dressed up as Santa, that's an, that's an, that's a situation I would have rather Stephanie in the ring putting herself over than what they did with Vince McMahon. Oh, no, you don't Huge zero. You don't mean that. I'm, I'm actually glad they didn't use Stephanie. You're completely right on why it was a zero. And I think the bigger story for me was that was one of the worst acting performances uh, Vince has ever done. Like, that was horrifically overacted. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, that was just really, really bad. We got to roll on. All right, BC. They have announced in WWE on both shows without officially announcing it, but Triple H and Shane McMahon have both separately said there are no more automatic title rematches in WWE. Very simply, Hero or Zero. Oh, Mo- Monster Hero. Yeah, it's something that was used and overabused. They're, look, they're WWE. They can book any match at any time. They do that constantly for no reason. So it doesn't have to be an automatic thing because it was so bad when you have a match on Sunday night at a pay-per-view and then that same match is ending Raw with a schmoz finish and it's just a waste of our time. Thank you. Yeah, I think better than it being a rule, it's a rule for the writers. It takes away a crutch of them saying, well, he won by disqualification. They get another another match. And oh yeah, the champion won that one. So the so, or the, the challenger won that one, so the champion gets his rematch. And all of a sudden, you have three or four of the exact same match over the course of a month or two months. What this does is it removes the crutch from the writers, not the kayfabe wrestling booking of saying, you guys don't get the opportunity to do this anymore. If you want AJ Styles to get another WWE title match, he needs to find a way in. And then we get the fatal five-way match. AJ wins, and he gets his rematch. That's why it worked for me. Very smart, huge hero. I'd also wish they would go away from um, doing open... Okay, if you're going to do an open challenge for a title, it has to mean something. So if John Cena comes back and he's got a championship and he does this U.S. Open challenge, and the whole idea is to give prominence back to the title and see fun matchups each week, that's fine. Make that be a thing. Don't allow every other champion, when you don't have anything for them that week, to just come out and just get... I don't know who's going to fight me, but I'm going to put the belt on the line. That that That's not a... They, they think what it means for the character is it means that the character is so tough and, and focused that they don't, you know, they'll fight anybody anytime. No, it devalues the belt completely. So don't do that, all right? Title. That. Yeah, it devalues the title, and it makes the champion look stupid that they would just put their title on the line against an opponent they're not even going to prepare for. Like, they had Ronda Rousey come out and be like, oh, yeah, I just defended against Nia Jax. I want to defend it tonight. Yeah, Why? Stop that. You stop. just won. You should only defend it on pay-per-views. Anyway, uh, Adam, to close, The Miz uh, was able to coerce Shane McMahon into accepting a partnership by burying his heart and playing to the uh, the dad side of the story to join him as a tag team member and hoist that trophy together. Hero or zero, where this is going? 
So it's making for entertaining backstage segments, but I don't have any real desire to see them in the ring together. I don't have a desire for them to be tag team champions considering the other talent that's in this division. So if they're going to be a tag team, you would expect the ultimate apex of the moment would be them winning the titles, whether at WrestleMania or elsewhere. And if you're not going to have them win the titles ever, then what's the point of putting them together in the first place? I'll tell you, the key moment of there was was Shane whispering to him, don't screw me. That was the uh, that was the alarm that went off that I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Miz is so brilliant that he was he knows the way to get underneath Shane's defense and use the whole connection to the father and and, and never being good yeah. enough for your dad that he's going to use this. I don't think to win this tag championship. Because I don't think Miz cares about that, but to get some type of advantage in the hierarchy of WWE and get well, some opportunity. Possibly. And if that happens, it's great. And if it leads to a face Miz going against a heel Brian at WrestleMania and the blow off to their feud. I love that too. I trust that they have an angle for this because according to some other reports, I think it was Mike Johnson, a PW insider. He said like the best in the world crap, the world cup, the, that finish was planned with Shane McMahon and Miz. And this is a planned angle that they have. So they obviously have a plan. They obviously have a payoff in mind. I'll let it go. But while it might be entertaining right now, it's a zero for me because I'm just worried how it might impact the tag team picture on the show. That's the wrong brand. They don't need a tag team. And honestly, it kind of feels like they're underutilizing Miz. Well, that's why I'm saying I'm giving them the credit that I hope there's a better blow-off at the end, and that blow-off better not be a Miz-Shane match at WrestleMania because the only way that match is going to be good is if you use weapons, and we've seen too much of that. Like, we like we don't need Shane. That's true. That would really be a ceiling. disappointment. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. Move on. Move on. That's it. So that's our Hero Zero, and I'm going to give us a Barry Horowitz, both of us. That was a true lightning round edition. I think it was our first one ever. Well, I wouldn't give us too much credit. We went long on a few of them. You, you swallowed up all the all the air on on the Vince McMahon fire uh, of uh, sitting by the fire. But I agreed with you. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit, but I mean, I think that segment was like a third as long as our shortest one ever. Perfect. We're three hours into the show. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> all right, BC. Up next is our preview of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 13. I don't have every single match here, but I have the vast majority of the important ones. We can go through them one by one to lead off though. We mentioned it a couple weeks ago when the card was finalized. I think it's going to deliver wrestling wise in a major way. I'm really excited about each individual match as a whole. I'm just not nearly as excited for wrestle kingdom as I was last year. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right now. Last year was different because of the Jericho factor and the Jericho factor brought in a lot of us WWE fans who were already following him on Twitter and were already sort of, you know, getting behind the idea of what what's he doing over there? Well, you know, let me check it out. So that certainly pulled you in more, I think, as a whole. And uh, you can say that I've been really busy lately, and that, that's a full-on fact. Not trying to go heel Rosenberg on you. I've been insanely busy with boxing and MMA of late, but I don't even think I've seen or come across things that preview this show. I think last year there were preview specials. There were more cards that laid it out there i have access to the uh, njpw website there probably were shows on there that laid out all these angles perfectly they just didn't grab me enough you know sometimes you're on twitter and somebody tweets out something about a live show and you're like oh crap that's happening let me go see that i just haven't seen anything i know i got some dms saying there was this tag match involving osprey that i need to see i still haven't seen that one yet um part of it is me being too busy part of it is they just didn't 
It didn't work. They didn't hook us this year like they did. But I think you nailed it. It's going to be a phenomenal card. I mean, Kenny Omega Ace as a main event for the championship Incredible. alone sells this whole show. It is worth getting up early for, and it's probably going to be an hour all-time great NJPW match because of the prominence and the characters and the storyline alone. But no, hooks in terms of your heart for these matches storyline-wise, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't nail it this time around. Yeah, like I just... Maybe it's because we're not like weekly NJPW watchers. We don't watch every single road show. We don't follow every single thing that happens. But like the Okada J White match as an example, it's like I know why they're having the match, but I don't really care because I don't really care about J White at all, and I don't care what he did. Uh, I know Kushida Ishimori is going to be a great oh, match, yes, it will be. but uh, an incredible match. But storyline wise, I don't even know what the storyline is. So. Whereas last year, there were so many storyline elements that played into everything. Plus, we had the excitement of Chris Jericho and all the anticipation of what that meant, what was going to happen in that match, etc. This year, I kind of look at it and I'm like, we are going to love this card. We're going to love this pay-per-view. We're going to give out three, four, five, five-star matches probably on this thing. It might be the best wrestling card I've seen in terms of potential to deliver five-star matches on a single show. But do I actually care? Am I asking you if we're going to do an instant analysis after it? No, because I really don't want to do one. Wow. Wow. You're the king of the instant analysis. Um, you're, nothing that you said was wrong there. This is the exposure of, while we're talking about the revolution as a whole, NJPW is a big part of that. But NJPW, for as good of a year as they had in some circles, grabbing our attention, making it matter with those U.S. shows, their lack of a weekly for show of any form that you don't have to go out of your way to their website to find. And in reality, they don't even have that on there. A, a, a core, a combined show that, that shows you everything you've missed and updates you on the storylines and plays promos this year. The lack of that really hurt. I think Let last me- year, Cody, the combination of Cody, Kenny and Chris Jericho did enough promotion on their own that you couldn't miss it this year i feel like they're really lacking that you know what that's a great point being the elite was a great promotional vehicle for wrestle kingdom 12 and they did not promote it at all this year for obvious reasons cody has a match on this show the young bucks have a match on this show they have not run any angles about those matches on being the elite nor should they because they're obviously starting their own promotion that's what everything was focused on so you're right there has just been no promotion for it. And yes, they have done they did the press conference, obviously, with Kenny Omega and Tanahashi, and it was fine. And they put out a video, I think, of it, and it was probably fine. But with NJPW Needs, and you just alluded to it, they don't have to have a weekly TV show. They should be able to give us a 20-minute YouTube show every week with English narrated highlights of what went down that week. WWE has this week in WWE on the network. I've watched it a couple times. It's fine. But if you missed a week of WWE TV and you just wanted like the top end news and highlights, you could watch that show and get caught up. That's what they need to do. 20 minutes, even 15 minutes. Here's what happened this week. It keeps you going. And then you you pay for the network and you and you watch these major cards. So that's how I feel entering NGPW Wrestle Kingdom 13. Uh, there's a bunch of matches, like I said, that I did leave off. Actually, there's only two. But I'm going to read down the ones that we have. Quick thoughts, prediction if you want. Never open weight championship. Kota Ibushi against Will Ospreay. Oh my god, this thing's going to put this match is going to put its hand like like down actually in inside of my pants, like inside of my satchel. Like the mega powers are about to explode in my pants 
right now. Are you kidding me? A Boucher Osprey in the same ring? Like, this is going to be so damn amazing. Adam, this could, like we always say, or I used to say, when Okada and Omega were, were changing the Richter scale or the Meltzer scale, whatever you want to say, I'd, you know, I'd always say, look, Obushi's the only guy who can join either one and have a chance of giving you that level, meaning a six-and-a-half, seven-star match, wherever, however high Meltzer's erection has grown that year. These two could, could leapfrog Meltzer's erection. Yeah, I think if there was more storyline here, this would obviously have the opportunity to, from a wrestling standpoint, eclipse. Well, there might be. Anything. We haven't been watching that show. You know, we haven't, we no, haven't but you would know. I think if there was anything that was notable, you would know it. And I don't really think there was. I think Ibushi just won the Never title like a month ago or something like that. I don't really know. But the fact that I don't know tells you all you need to know. No, this match is about the wrestling. face with this product right now, and there's nothing face-to-face. -face. Nothing face-to-face. Yeah. Nothing face to face. Nothing face to face. You got it? It's all you got right. it. I mean, it's got to be in my, put it in my face, NJPW, in the face. So, so with that, uh, Kota Ibushi wins, retains the title. I don't know, because I, I mean, the, does the never open weight title really matter? No, it's the U.S. championship in Japan. But what matters is how good this. No, the U.S. Is. championship is the U.S. championship. All right, then it's the uh, European champion. It's the hardcore champ. It pets Pat <laughs> Patterson in a lock in a shower. It's the European championship. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 yeah. uh it's D'Lo Brown with a chest protector. Yeah, but the match has the it, it, the match is going to be fine wine. It's going to be it's going to be a damn steak. It's going to be the the open weight Kobe beef steak. All right, it's going to be fantastic. By the way, I would eat a horse in Japan if I. I said that yeah on the show. Yeah, you've said yeah, you've said it. Totally By the way, I, I will not I will not take D'Lo Brown slander. On you would this eat a horse. You would if it was a if it was not. a racehorse. If no. it was a successful racehorse and you've never tried the the food before and they and you're at a Jap you're there for Wrestle Kingdom this week. Let's say you you saved up your money. You're like, dude, I'm going for it. I got to find out how good this is in person. I got to be there. So you do the whole thing, right? You go to Ribera, you get the jacket, but then last night, the last night of the thing, you're at some some restaurant and they're like. Hey, American man, <laughs> I've got the, the horse who finished third at the Belmont in 06. Here he is right here. You've never tried horse before. You're you're trying it. No, I'm not. Wow. Wow. All yeah, right. it's not for me. Right. Uh, British heavyweight championship, which candidly didn't know this was a thing. I know it's on an NJPW belt, but is this Rhea title belt title title. Title, sorry. I know it's on the NJPW title, but apparently it's being defended. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii against Zack Sabre Jr. I think this match on the card, along with the next one, I mean, look, we know Sabre wrestles a slow style, right? Like, just it's more submission-based and, and, and technical. Um, I love Ishii. You know that. This is probably a match in this moment. I will fast forward, and I'll probably have to come back to it. Because there's just so much else, and things starts at 3 a.m., and I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. Well, I'll tell you what. We don't have, which we mentioned a couple weeks ago, we don't have, like, eight six-man tags on this card, which is a good step forward. So if this is in place of a six-man tag match, I'm all in on this. I've seen these two Absolutely. wrestlers before. Their styles and chemistry is actually really good. You're right. It will be a different kind of match, but it's going to be fun to see. To me, the title's worthless. This is just a good match on a pay-per-view. Sure. Uh, and because I don't know anything about the title, Zack Sabre wins it. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, next match is the Gorillas of Destiny against the Young Bucks. I guess this is the culmination of the Bullet Club feud. I care about um, this. I care. Yeah, I mean, I care and I don't because it's a three-way really... tag. Lij is in it too. Is it really? Yes, Sonata miss... and Evil. Oh well, that brings up the business, and I like them. Uh, 
So I didn't know that. I thought this was just head to head those two. I thought it was a Bullet Club situation. It is, but they've they've made it a three way tag team match for the IWGP titles. I didn't even have that. The titles were listed. All right. I did a bad job on this particular match. Um, well, they did a bad job putting it in our face. <laughs> they really did. I mean, I'm not trying to harp on it, but like I, I, last year, I knew every single match on the card and why it existed outside of the six. Hey, Harold Mayjay. Congratulations. You played yourself. I mean, do better. Do better. All right. I know we're going to this card's going to win. We love it. We love it. Champion, champions in this. Match? I think you did nail it, though. The fact that being the elite is not NJPW focused this season. That's why we didn't get into it. That's probably it. That's probably yeah. it. Yeah. Who who are the champions in this match? Uh the uh Gorillas of Destiny because they won that at that last pay-per-view that I did watch. Hmm. And it was good. It was good. It was a good show. They won it there. I'm going to I'm going to go on this trend of I think the AEW guys get written off. Now, there's the possibility there is New Year's Dash the next day so they can end storylines there and and still have them continue after NJPW Wrestle Kingdom. But I'm going to go with these guys getting written off. Gorillas of Destiny retain the titles. That's fair. And by the way, they put a lot of time into the uh, the Samoans uh, wrecking the G1, if you remember. So let's keep the storyline going. The Tongans? The Tongans? Tongans. Did I say Samoans? Yeah, the, the Tama Tongans. Yeah, all right. Keep it rolling. Give me 14 hot minutes. Let's get out of here. <laughs> all right. IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Cody, the champion, defending against Juice Robinson. I think it's clear this is when Juice wins it back. Uh I didn't li- honestly. I didn't like Cody taking it from him in the first place. It's a good match, though. I did like that match. It was fine. Oh God, he just, he just, he just refused. He just refused. Silver King. Oh you know, man. You know it was great. You know it was great. You think Cody's, Cody's wife is just fine? Cody's promo afterward. True. It was one of the best. Pro- it was probably the promo of the year. But you had that weird rule where like some awards couldn't be uh, non WWE. It was one of the best promos of the year. It was great. Match, uh, match is fine. This match is going to be great. Look, Juice has had a great year. We didn't talk about him at all in Wrestler of the Year, but he's had one of those underrated, really strong damn years as a pure babyface. One of the best, if one of the rare pure babyfaces that work in this business. Uh, you did nail something, though, when we talked about AEW before, where you said Sunday is going to be for Friday. Sorry, it's going to be really important in terms of how things play out to the future. I want to see how dialed in Cody is for this match. You know, I mean, if he retains the title, that'd be huge in terms of where we're going in the future. You're right. It's a good bet to, to imagine him not retaining the title. But in terms of uh, is this just another match and Cody's going through the motions and then he's getting ready for AEW? Or is this is he still going to be a part of where they're going? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be very telling. And it does make this entire card very difficult to predict. I know Brian's not as much about the predictions as I am. But still, I mean, I, I kind of like doing them. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship Kushida against Ishimori, my God, this is going to be great. It's going to be so good, dude. Kushida is so damn good. Does not get the respect he deserves. I love the Back to the Future Marty McFly gimmick. It always works. He always delivers. Ishimori's not bad. He's a musclehead for these little guys. And uh, this is going to be fun. It's not. I mean, it's not going to be good, as good as Osprey Abushi or the main event. But look for this to 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 compete to be one of that mid card stealer of the night where you're like, oh my God, is that a five star match? I'm not sure. That was so good. So let's yeah, I, th- I think it's in competition for third best match on the card. I think that's totally fair. Um, I guess Kushida retains it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what the hell do I know? <laughs> it's not. It's just. I, I wish I was coming with stronger like I did last year, uh, but I just I can't. You know, I, we were really dialed in for Wrestle Kingdom and for Dominion, and I just see. I think you're you're awakening me to this whole AEW thing where like last. Okay, the, the Indies were unified last year. It was a combination was... of. A great show in being the elite, a great product in NJPW, 
we were able to access it. We had all this stuff going for us. And driving into, again, All In, we had 12 months of promotion for this. And they did a great job delivering. But it reached this apex. And my only point is, how the hell do you come down off of that and deliver from there right. without all those same pieces? I don't want that's what I'm getting to at. be splintered. I always imagined that at the revolution, I would be looking at it through NJPW glasses. I thought that would be the thing, but I really hope they're a part of what AEW is doing. Or, or if they splinter this whole thing, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Ooh, I kind of like that. You're taking a step down here. I like it. It's well, coming I mean, down certainly a little bit. Cody can do what you suggested, which is, you know, join forces with the NWA you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Look, but I thought that idea was genius. And, I think all my ideas are genius, but I thought that one know, was genius. It still could be. We we don't know. I mean, you know, but if they if it becomes more of a classic Southern style feel, that that'd be great too. But I hope that it has the NJPW feel at the same time in okay, terms of what I don't want is a classic Southern style professional wrestling organization. That's I, that's what I do not want. Oh, and we're not going to get that. You're telling me it's California. 1987 Jim Crockett promotions in terms of no, the I don't feel want and that. the book. I mean, this, I want the that. promos. Give me those promos. Yeah. Give me that feel. Give me the backstage attacks. Give me all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll take all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I want better matches, of course. But the yeah. booking. The booking you're talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. And the overall feel okay. of the booking. But with NJPW matches, that's that's the book. All right. All right, let's, all right let's, get, let's get into the three matches that we really care about. And we actually know the full storylines for uh, Kazuchika Okada against Jay White. Um, you know, long time coming here uh, to, you know, in this feud. I personally, BC, think this is the moment. You know, you've been crying about. Okada this entire year, every, ever since he lost to Omega. You don't like the character with the balloons, the happy-go-lucky. I think this is where it turns around, and we begin to see the reascension of Kaz Okada into the IWGP Heavyweight Championship picture. Okada wins this, gets over on Jay White. Big match, big moment in Japanese wrestling. It is, and look, this has been a story that's been told for a full year now when you consider that the day after last year's Wrestle Kingdom was when Jay White turned down Kenny Omega's offer to join the Bullet Club, and it led to Jay White sort of working his way behind the scenes to become the face of Okada's team and, and turning on him. And, and it, yeah, it's time to turn Okada around, which means it's time to make him good. Chaos. Again. I know you were searching for it. Chaos. Yeah. It's time yeah. to make him good again and make me care about him again. And look, Jay White improved a lot during the G1. He made a full turn this year from us going, oh, this weirdo, get him off my screen. He's just not good enough. They gave him a big chance. and He's not that guy to being, you know what? He's kind of figuring it out here and his wrestling got better. And, He's got a big chance here. I mean, you go against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, you got a big chance to show us what you got here. Uh, yeah, I think Okada's got to win. I think the, the, they got to put him yeah. right back in line to make a run at the title again if they can't keep Kenny, and we don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, he was impressive uh, in G1. That's really where it turned around for me. I was like, wow, this I might have been wrong about this guy. You know, um, So he deserves the spot, but, I mean, putting Jay White over Okada here, I don't know. I mean, they'd have to really pay it off at New Year's Dash for that to really work. I think this is really Okada's moment in the sun, big moment, not the main event, but you know, really big stage, obviously huge. Um, Okada goes over. All right. IWGP intercontinental championship. We have Chris Jericho, the then defending against Tetsuya Naito. Uh, now I think I'm correct in that Jericho has only defended this title once since he won it, which was at dominion. So you're saying since June, he's defended the title one time, and we really think Brock Lesnar. It was a really good match, but we think Brock Lesnar's bad. He's defended the title one time, and I understand there are a lot of NJPW and Japanese fans that are like, you know, this is an absentee dude, and the tally, the title's kind of been devalued a little bit. Um, and look, they also put a ton of titles on Gaijin during that Dominion show, him prominently being one of them. 
Do you think he retains the title here? Or do you think this is where Naito finally goes over in a big Wrestle Kingdom moment? We're led to believe Naito's finally going to go over in a big Wrestle Kingdom moment because we don't We were know, led to believe that last year. We don't know exactly what Jericho's schedule. Though. Here's the only thing we know about Jericho is he's doing another cruise. He's going to announce that this month. That's the only thing we know. So that leads you to believe, look, not going back to WWE unless it's an expensive one-off. That leads you to believe that he's on this side of the force in terms of the revolution. I Look, I feel like he's going to be a player in AEW, both behind the scenes and in front of it. I feel like there's plenty of smoke on that. It it wouldn't be crazy surprising though if he if he kept the title here in a really interesting match and then either lost it at New Year's Dash or lost it at the next U.S. show or or whatever the deal was the next the spring pay per view. It doesn't seem to make a ton of sense, but when you put a title on Chris Jericho in this spot, you're renting the power of his name and the potential of what that means to gain U.S. viewers. And while certainly we don't know what the AEW and JPW relationship will be, if they can get him to be on the Garden Show with the championship, then that's something. Yeah, I don't, I mean, that's look, something. I've been, I, I, the, I'm not wrong often, but what I've been wrong about mostly is Chris Jericho. So I'll say something else and I'll probably be wrong. I don't think we get Chris Jericho for NGPW in Madison Square Garden on WrestleMania weekend. I would be floored if that happened, honestly. He's uh, like, you already said he would do one show with NGPW and then said oh, he would you did, do wait, one in the States. You did too. Wait, no, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, at the very beginning, we both said probably one show. Then I said when that was over, I said, okay, maybe one more. You said, no, 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 he's going to have a run. So you ended up being right. But at the beginning, we both said, oh, yeah, yeah, one-off appearance. We did. And he kept not... violating Vince. He'll further violate Vince, especially if he sees... Well, he hasn't, he hasn't U.S. match violated Vince yet, but, I mean, that seemed to be a fake, you know, line anyway. Here's that didn't seem like a real line in the sand. to you do know? in WWE. What he did with with Kevin Owens was surprising and amazing and top shelf stuff, and he can't recreate that. They're not going to give him another chance on that type of level again. He's only would come back in a the best case scenario for him would be to come back at WrestleMania one of these years in like a like a Legends type match against a younger person. He's not going to come back in a main event role, but so why come back at all? Unless it's with AEW, he's not going to be in a main event role in NJPW either. I mean, this is one of the two final matches, so he can and have that's a lot huge. Of fun. But he's not going to be the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. True, but with AEW, there's potential that he could be a big player behind the scenes in terms of creative and all that, and still possibly, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. You know what? With that, with that, with that MSG show, he's going to keep the title here. It's going to surprise I think, everybody. I think there's greater potential for him to do something with AEW than to keep the title and remain with NJPW here. That's where I would kind of go if I had to go one way or the other. But that said, if he does move into a legitimate role with AEW, that severs the Vince McMahon tie until that he gets fired or he quits or whatever the case may be. So that is a very strong indicator. I don't as think it severs to, it. As opposed to these. Because I don't mean forever. I don't mean forever. I mean for a period of time. Because Vince moved off of that date. Let's not forget that. Vince moved off of Saturday. Saturday's the Hall of Fame now. Vince is not competing with the show. Which, by the way, regardless of the reason, and this the reason was in GPW and ROH in this situation, it was the right decision. It was. Like, for, for a WrestleMania it, it weekend a, planning, it was the right decision. But it was it was fourth and one at the 20-yard uh, line going in and deciding to, to punt. You know, it's like, what? Go no fight fight WWE fight no cause guess what we get to go to both now I'm happy as a fan I'm talking business all right all right keep it rolling <laughs> we gotta get out of the show uh hey the main event fired the oh, heck wait. up wait hold on Naito wins becomes the Intercontinental Champion go of ahead predictions yeah yeah all right you know without the elite wrestling is boring and 
This main event does not suck at all. Oh, it does. And you want to talk about predictions? My man, Ace Tanahashi, winning the G1, earning a chance at Kenny Omega and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. There will be no greater indicator of whether Omega is going to AEW slash severing ties with New Japan Pro Wrestling than if he loses the title here, BC. That, to me, would say everything in the entire world. If he retains the title, which is what I do expect, I think it's business as usual. How do you see this match playing out? I see it being long and epic, first of all. Uh, It's very interesting here. If he would lose it, I think that's a giant warning sign. It's a giant warning sign that he's not going to be with them any longer because if you're NJPW, and again, I can't speak for them, I don't know the relationship with Cody the Bucks and uh, AEW at this point, but I know Kenny Omega's value. I know what he means in a main event. I keep this guy happy. I say, oh, you want to go do AEW? That's fine. I'm still going to need you, Kenny, at these you know, five, six biggest shows of our year, though. But go, go. You've already been doing what you want in ROH anyway. So, yeah, just go AEW. Yeah, fine. That's fine. Go. Whatever you need. You're still our champion. It's going to be interesting, though, like, what's their plan? Because you've, you and Bob Backlund at TalkBox have not been happy about Kenny's reign. That's fine. We had that debate. But the whole idea is where is this reign going if he keeps it? What are we building towards? Who's the next guy? Is it coming Okada. back for a fifth Okada? You know, because, look, they value Okada, I think, more than they do Kenny in the long run. You know, Okada's their prime star. He's their Roman Reigns in terms of, not in terms of character, but in terms of, like, that's the guy. That's the guy right there. That's your historic guy of the moment right there. So... Maybe you keep it on Kenny then. You know, the, yeah. the story is can Ace come back against this, Amer- you know, not American, but this, this you know, Western guy and, uh, and, and win it here and, and put that cherry on top of his long, amazing career. And I don't think he needs it. Unless Kenny's going, he doesn't need it. So I think Kenny has to be the prediction. Kenny's got to win here. Yeah, I think if Kenny's going, then it makes all the sense in the world for Tanahashi to win because you're talking about Tanahashi can drop it to Naito, he can drop it to Okada. I wouldn't do it, but he could drop it to Jay White. You know, there, there's options there. Um, and he, by nature of being ace, puts those guys over in a major way. Um, one scenario I could see going down is Tanahashi winning, Naito beating him, and then you get the Naito-Okada rematch. What I would love to see is Omega retain this title, go in, fight Naito, beat Naito, fight Okada. Okada win it back from him at Wrestle Kingdom 14 next year, and then at Wrestle Kingdom 15 you have Naito finally going over Okada in the main event, which we've been waiting for wow, long forever. Term for Long-term event. booking. Yes. Let me give you some um, short-term booking here. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. This is an ROH NJPW split show at MSG, correct? They're, it's branded that way, yeah. So they have. So does NJPW have a financial interest in this? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think they have an interest in how they can use this show to further their North American advance? You would hope so. If that is all true, and this isn't the equivalent to them of like another Long Beach Pyramid show where you put it on access and whatever. Except it just happens to be an MSG. Yeah, yeah. no, this is a big power move. If this is a big power move. I might tell me if I'm wrong right here. You got to do Omega Okada again. Ooh. As your main event. Because Ooh, why? Maybe. Why not? That's the bet. That's the most valuable card you have. And if this North American move actually means something to you, you got to do that. The reason you don't do it is because they're a Japanese company. So you want to criticize WWE for putting on like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe in Australia, which that was the fifth match anyway, but you get my point. Um, you're like, well, why, why the hell wouldn't you do that in the US, in New York, in at, at WrestleMania, at SummerSlam, right? I think it's the same way. We don't really want John Cena, Roman Reigns. But I don't even remember what pay-per-view was that at Payback or something. It was September. Like it, was it was TLC. It was Kurt. No, it wasn't. It was uh, was that the Kurt Angle night? September TLC. 
It wasn't the same night, I don't think, no. No, Reigns was sick for TLC. No, oh, yeah, this was the, the Braun Strowman Brock Lesnar main event. Uh, yeah, it was in October, payback last year, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So um, you don't want to do your key match at the show that's not really a major NJPW show. You want to save Okada Omega for Dominion or, Rus- or Wrestle Kingdom. But I do think t- what you're getting at is correct in that you need Omega as your champion at that show or getting his rematch at that show. So that tells me it's either Omega versus someone else or Omega Tanahashi rematch after he loses the title at MSG. All right, here's what they have to do. I got it now. They got to do what they don't normally do because we're always saying that NJPW is different from WWE, right? It's old school. It's gritty. It's grimy. It's all these things. It's supposed to be. There's two WWE options that they should consider for this one, okay? Number one is... Use Okada Omega, the advertising, to make this show truly matter, but give a smosh finish and turn that toward Dominion, right, as your aim. Like, whatever the finish is, and I know it kind of bastardizes the rivalry because we've had four matches, and arguably those are the four greatest matches in history, at worst four of the ten greatest matches in history, like if we're really being honest, right? So it could bastardize a bit the feud if you have one in there that doesn't really matter, and that's a total WWE move. Or the other WWE move is you do what you don't like they already did. You go to the triple threat. Mm. I'm not for that. Then what about... I can't believe you like one more than four. I do, it's and, I, and I do stand by that. And I went back and watched both before I made that proclamation. I stand by that. I stand it's by stunning. it. It's a stunning comment. It really is. It's a masterpiece. In, a, in, a, in, a, in what it lacks in story compared to four, I think it has the most, some of the most insane spots that I've ever seen. Insane is a good word. It's like people who lived in the 60s and to this day say Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is the greatest album of all time. Because where music was in 1967 when the Beatles dropped that, it was so weird and new and fresh and it changed everything. And they're like, you don't understand. That changed everything. And to me, that match changed everything. By the way, Adam, this revolution that we're in right now, do we have a start date? Is it Okada Omega 1? At Wrestle Kingdom 11 in, in January 2017. Is that the start date in your eyes? I think it's Okada Omega 2. Because it's the the um, notoriety that Okada Omega 1 gained brought people in to watch Okada Omega 2. And go back and watch Okada Omega 1 and they're like, oh my god. And then the G1 that succeeded it delivered. And then you're, the ball was rolling. Because you could argue I think, just the I, same. I, gener- I generally like to think things start when I get into them. So that's, that's, that's how I <laughs> that's go. That's so selfish, right? Um, it's, 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 I mean, you that's, could, listen. You could make the Jericho Omega argument, and I think you could certainly make all in. For, for, ca- for more casual fans, I would agree with Jericho, Jericho Omega. And then certainly all in, and then the launch of AEW. It's all interesting. Um, look, Omega, I'm predicting to win. I think it's smart. And yes, I think you do. It's, it's the same argument, by the way, in UFC. And we had this argument today in our public uh, Slack channel there. It's like, hey, UFC, you got this uh, Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov rematch. It's probably not start, smart to come right back with it. But you got this match sitting on the shelf that could break every pay-per-view record again. And if you do other matches instead, it could jeopardize that match. So while you have the opportunity, grab that rematch and plug it in, even though it would be bad if Conor lost two in a row. And I think to a certain degree, MSG, Omega, Okada is that same conversation. You got to do it. You got to do it. I honestly think I put my life savings on Khabib. 
Yeah. After seeing after seeing that what went down, like that's going to be a non-competitive match. Well, I, I disagree on that regard because Connor the 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 cage rest and the layoff hurt him more than we ever assumed coming in, and he didn't train for offense. So I'm not predicting he's going to win. He'd be the rightful underdog, but he only trained for takedown defense and he got dominated. So here's the deal, Connor, you're not stopping him from taking you down. So dance with who who he brought you, so yeah. to speak. Go in there and look to finish him in round one like we all thought you maybe And he could. did he did rebound and beat Nate Diaz. So I mean he has done that before where he's come back, but Yeah. So uh hey Omega Tanahashi, it's gonna be a classic. It can't By not way, be just, just since we happen to talk about MMA, what's going on with Lesnar? Let's bring it back to wrestling. Yeah, that's Is there a, any it's a fair conversation point out here. Um I think it just seems like Vince has paid Lesnar enough to uh to to say to himself, um what am I doing here? Right? Because look, he I think even Lesnar, even though Lesnar's a competitor and he loves money, he knows he can't beat Cormier or Jones. He's gotta know that. Especially with the USADA era right now. But couldn't he but couldn't he shock Cormier? Like, I know Cormier's better, right? No. But he takes one punch. But here's the thing. Lesnar's not a puncher. He has horrific right. punch defense, uh, physically, meaning like like he doesn't absorb punches well. Oh, okay. And his only skill is wrestling, and Cormier is a better wrestler than him. So it's it's uh, his only skill is to get juiced up and hold you down. At this point, he you know a younger Lesnar, who arguably was probably on the juice then. They didn't have as good as drug testing back then when he was UFC heavyweight champion. Would just use that obscene athleticism to take you down right. and ground upon you. And uh, he smothered you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why, look, I think when people, if, they, if he fought John Jones, the, the idea that Jones hadn't fought at heavyweight would give some people to think Lesnar has more of a chance, but no, he's getting smoked in either one. John so, Jones would definitely kick his I mean, yeah, he had, he'd head kick yeah. knock him out. So the whole point yeah. of my my statement is I would think Vince offered him enough where it's equivalent to what he would have made for that. And it's just like, hey, Brock, you have to go through that. Yeah, you don't have to get tested. You don't have to yeah, do the can, whole you thing. You can go main event WrestleMania for the same money. I just, I was so impressed with the way Brock looked interrupting that, um, was it Rain Strowman match? Steel cage match? What was that? Uh, he knocked down the door. Yes. What the heck was that? I- I'm so confused when I look back. Me though. too. There's just so much I'm stuff. Like, was that, that Australia? Was that Saudi Arabia? Was that my dreams? When did it happen? <laughs> I was just point being, I was so impressed with the way he he's looked the last few times he's been on WWE TV. And then I think back to the way he looked at WrestleMania 34 and he just was the best word is bloated. He looked bloated and not in great shape. And you're just like, Oh man, he's totally mailing this in and the match sucked. But when Brock is going and energized, it feels different and it looks different. And I feel like he only gets that way when he has a UFC date ahead. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know how he's going to pass a drug test. And if he does, I mean, he's, he's what? 41. And... I mean, there's at least two picograms of something in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. A few, a few. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> hey, Wrestle Kingdom. What time does that start? It's Friday morning. Is it 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. I think uh, generally in the past, I think we've woken up at five, but there's too many good matches. I don't know what to do. It's just, wow, look at where we were a year ago at this time. We were waking. I remember I set the alarm for 3 a.m. It was it was a blizzard outside, and we watched the whole damn thing in a row and then did a live podcast with Nick. Yep, and did result live results on the website, too. Wow, what a different. Now we just watch it for fun. Let's just watch it for fun. Let's just enjoy. Yeah. I agree. I'm with you. Uh, before we get out of here, anything we did not talk about that hit you in the feel spot this week, BC? Um, yeah, NXT, NXT rules. Did you watch that fatal four-way women's match? The match wasn't like five stars or anything, but it was a really good match. And 
damn Bianca Belair, I love, love. Yeah. Was this the week the segment with Gargano and and yeah, Champa? It was and, Gargano's oh promo God. back, or sorry, Champa's promo backstage in reference to Gargano's steel cage situation where they did the double DIY knee. Yeah. If they do evil DIY wrestling, oh yeah, we haven't talked about that. Wrestling Dude. in twenty nineteen. Holy oh. crap! That steel cage match between Gargano and Black. I haven't watched the, that match. I missed that episode. Oh what? my God! So wait, you watched this week's NXT? And you didn't watch the prior yes, week's NXT? Yes, that is true. All right, we're gonna save this. We may le- have this in the main event of next week's show. We need to talk about that, that entire storyline. I can't believe you didn't see that match. I'm wearing this shirt for a reason. I'm wearing the DIY shirt right now. Um, wow. I can't believe you didn't see that. My feel spot this week, you know, we named Becky Lynch the 2018 Wrestler of the Year for CBS Sports. A little bit of controversy about that, but we did. It was the right decision. Your boy, the Silver King, you know, wrote, wrote something pretty good on CBSSports.com. You can go check it out. The man, quote, retweeted me. <laughs> it blew up. Got a ton of followers, uh, but more importantly than that, I felt that she really got the respect that she deserves. A lot of people ended up seeing that story and seeing our award and listening to our podcast about it. Got a really cool bunch of uh, comments and tweets and things like that. So thank you, everyone. That was really great. And I hope many of you who read that story and are aware of our wrestling coverage for the first time are listening to this podcast and enjoy it as well. Shout out to the man on that one. Uh I want to say uh, I don't have a feel spot on Apollo Cruz, but I like where he's going. So they're, oh, they're yeah. doing something well with him. That's fine. My entire feel spot surrounds NXT. That's fine. Um, I just want to say one thing on Facebook. In my is like a like I got a public websites on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook's like my real life sort of website. Sure. I guess if you could say I don't follow or get followed by uh, people that watch my work or I don't follow celebrities or athletes on there. But when I reached out to Gene Oakland, the first time I interviewed him, I had to go through Facebook to get him and we became quote unquote Facebook friends. And then he was like regularly commenting on my life developments, like involving family (laughs) and stuff. And like, I get to do cool things having this job. Obviously some of those I, I present to the people in my private life and they of course blow up. Be like, that's the coolest thing you, you in a shirtless David Arquette. That's also cool. But when people would, would respond to Gene Oakland responding to me on Facebook and be like, is this really happening? What's really going on here? That was a pretty cool moment. So we, we start the show with Gene o- Oakland, RIP. We end the show with him by saying goodbye. Gino, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Well, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. It is. It is, Gino. RIP to you. Uh, Silver King, any message to the fans to open this new year? No, uh, follow us at State of Combat on Twitter, at Silverstein Adam, at B Campbell, CBS. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Gene. You are one of a kind. We out.